Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Well, there you go. It's our beer drinking buddy, Kate Scott, uh, Mike Sealski. She was in fine voice last night, Glenn Mack now. She was. And the Sixers were in uh, fine fiddle, as my grandfather used to say, as they win their seventh game in a row. Seven to one. And I believe, tell me if I'm incorrect, nobody sees it as like a Fugazi seven to one? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think everybody is really encouraged by how they're playing and the way that they're playing and the fact that James Harden is out of here. <laughs> That's it. By the way, he's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now, Saturday, 10 to 1. We'll tell you more about the show coming up. But to your point, I, I really feel like, tell me if this is simplistic. Okay. We're kind of able, we have permission to fall in love with this team again, that we've largely, a team we've largely been angry with over the last two years, three years. There's no Ben Simmons. There's no James Harden, as you just said. There's no Doc Rivers. There's no Brian Colangelo or uh, what was it, Barbara Bottini or yeah Eric Jr. Was that one of the that was one of those just a whole right, slew all, all of, of burner accounts right It's it's Tyrese Maxey and it's like a revived Tobias Harris and and you know it's, a surprising it, Kelly Oubre yeah and it's not hard and pounding the ball for twenty seconds as the shot clock winds down so they're playing faster they're moving the ball they beat his own defense the other night it's like it's Fun and refreshing. New coach. I forgot to mention that. Well, he might be the biggest difference, and I think that was the one thing that I underestimated about the changes that the Sixers made to get to this point was how much of an effect Nick Nurse would have compared to the effect that Doc Rivers had. Just take, for instance, Glenn, you mentioned James Harden the way he would pound the ball, okay? Last year, James Harden, on average, had possession of the ball for 8.6 seconds of possession. That was the second most in the NBA. You know what that means? That means for more than a third of the shot clock, 24 seconds, the ball was in James Harden's hands. Now, with the way the team is set up and the way Nurse is coaching them and encouraging them to share the ball and be more aggressive, you're getting more shots per game for Tyrese Maxey. You're getting one more shot per game for Joel Embiid you're getting a little bit more out of Tobias Harris. The ball is moving. It's more fun to watch. And it is more, what's the word, encouraging, emboldening for the rest of the team Mm. just because you don't have one guy who has the ball in his hands all the time. One of the things that I've kind of noticed, tell me if if I'm I'm, I'm contriving or if I'm making too much out of this. Because they got outscored in the first half yesterday. They're down 56-48 at the half in, mm-hmm. in Detroit. By the way, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt myself. Tournament win! 
How about it? How we buried the lead. Yeah. How They're about 1-0 it? in the tournament. Woohoo! They're on their way to the final four. <laughs> All the meaningless things that yeah. any league has ever done, this that, tops them. That court was fire, though, Glenn. Uh, Did yeah, you see court. it? I saw it. <laughs> anyway, to my point. They were down 56-48 at the half. Mm-hmm. They outscored Detroit 35-21 to in the third quarter. Yep. And, I've, and I think I'm seeing this a lot. And what I'm inferring from it is one of two things. Either they kind of sleepwalk through the first half and say, like, all right, now we should play. Or, more positively, Nick Nurse can make adjustments. Yes. Yes. Is that is that uh, like I, I th- a fair assessment? I, I think it is, and I think I mentioned this to you before in a previous show. A few of us who cover the team on a quasi-regular basis had a lunch with Nick Nurse, uh, kind of off the record. He's just kind of a getting-to-know-you thing. And without betraying any kind of confidences, one of the things that has come through from being around the Sixers, I think, is a sense that Nurse has a better sense of what to do with a particular group of players that he has. And he had some definite ideas about how he wanted this team to play with or without James Harden. And Mm -hmm. I think it was to their benefit that they traded Harden as early in the season as they did. Rip the Band-Aid off, get whatever you were going to get for him, and the guys they've gotten for him so far are contributing a little bit, and then let Nick Nurse do what he's going to do with it. And while I often think that coaching can be overrated in sports I do think what Nurse has done with this group in getting the ball moving and getting Maxie as a point guard more involved and kind of at the nexus of the offense has really trickled down to the entire team and I think it's it's a different feeling than the one that was here when Doc Rivers was here Doc Um, was much more of a guy who was like they're pros it's Joel, it's James, go do your thing. Mm-hmm. Nurse is much more strategically oriented. I like it. Uh, it. And as I said, it's just it's it's nice and refreshing to have a Sixers team that I, I don't want to say I can root for it because I always root for it, but I can root for it without reservation. Yes. Without the asterisks. Right. And there were some big asterisks <laughs> around there. Trust well, me. You, you don't have the anvil over your head. You yes, don't have, thank you. You don't have James Harden. There you you go. don't have Ben Simmons. Acme Anvil Company. You don't have uh, Markel Fultz struggling to shoot a jump shot. You don't have. Oh God, I forgot that that one too. Yeah, yeah. You, oh. you just don't have the stuff that has come with this team so much in the last five to ten years. We'll see how long it lasts. Milwaukee's still really good. Boston's still really good. But it's nice to be able to watch this team and say, you know what, this is a better brand of basketball. Yeah, and the incessant it. debate over the process. Like we don't. That's like not even right. It's, it's, that's old news. We don't have to deal with it. We can root with that reservation. I like it. All right. So we'll. Uh, by the way, Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer, Mike's colleague, is going to join us at eleven o'clock. We'll talk more about that. Uh, we will certainly talk a lot of Eagles as this day goes on. It is the bye week, so there's not a game tomorrow. Um, Todd Harriman's the terrific offensive lineman who spent so many years here and is now an engaging media personality of himself. He's got a show with Trey Thomas. Where they sit around and drink and talk about sports. They drink wine. Wow, what a concept. You with your beer show, them yeah. with their wine show. Yeah. i got to get like a you know bourbon what? show or something. We go head-to-head. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he's going to join us at noon. We'll talk about that. But it, it's a good time to kind of bring the Phillies to the front of the show because we're right on the precipice of all of the things that are going to happen in the offseason. Uh, happening, free agency is going to happen. There's been some trade talk. There's been some rumors. And so, given that it's a bye week in in the NFL, let's let's spend a little time talking about the Phils. Not looking back, but looking forward. Um, 
So let's start with this. What do they do in time in terms? Because you wrote a column about this. What uh, what should they do in terms of signing Aaron Nola? Oh, they should do exactly that. They should sign Aaron Nola. Uh, look at the market for free agent pitching right now. Really, the only option that seems viable uh, that is of equal that would be of a pitcher of equal status value to Nola would be Blake Snell. Yeah. And to me, not a fan. I mean. I shouldn't say not a fan, but not a, you less of a fan than would be of Nola. If they brought him Correct. Yeah. And I agree with you because Nola is familiar with Philadelphia. It's comfortable here. You wouldn't have to worry about a Trey Turner redo for a pitcher. You have you would have somebody here who everybody knows, who knows Philadelphia. <laughs> As in, he's going to start out the year two and six. Yeah, and, and we got to give him a standing ovation again uh, to get him well, pitching. Well. Yeah, hopefully as a one-time thing. Nola um, is Nola's durable. Pay him. John Middleton has made it clear money is no object. Pay him. This is Dave Dombrowski earlier this week on the MLB Network talking about Aaron Nola. I, I always appreciate his candor, his, re, his relative candor. Yes. Uh, it, yes. I really, he, he, he's he, never... stri- he strikes me as a guy who knows his place in the sport. He knows how respected he is. He knows what his resume is. Been there, done that, so I'm going to say what I'm going to say and let the chips fall where the chips fall. I'm going to give you three reasons to sign Nola and one not to. Okay. One, and you mentioned it, the durability. He is second in the major leagues in innings patched over the last six years. Innings pitched, excuse me, over the last six years to Garrett Cole. He's, I mean, he's 30-plus starts every single year. Don't have to worry. At least 32 starts in the last five full seasons of Major League Baseball. And two, relative to that, Given the way he pitches, I think he's going to be able to pitch deep into his 30s. He pitches smart. He doesn't. It's not like all overpowering stuff that his arm is going to blow out. I think he's going to age well. Especially with the adjustments he made in the latter half of this season. I yeah. think he accepted, I got to take a little bit off the ball because I have to work faster. I have to be more precise. He was kind of inclined that way. Anyway, I think it'll help him going forward. Three, and I don't know that all our listeners are going to agree with this, He's pitched well in big games. Yep. Um, first three starts this year uh, in, in the postseason, excuse me, Miami, Atlanta, uh, two earned runs in 18 innings, 18-plus innings. Um, didn't do well in game six against the Diamondbacks. Same thing kind of happened last year. Pitched real well up until the last start or two in the World Series. But he's won big games for you. He has. He has. And we keep doing that Aaron Nola meter thing where – his every next game is his next big game that or something her, like that. That made her fluctuate. It does. But in the main, in general, he's really, really good. Okay. The downside. He led the league in home runs allowed this year. Um, his ERA this year was 446. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2022, it was 325. The year before that, it was 463. So that's... 463 is not somebody I want to sign a, what are we talking, seven-year, 250 mil? What are we talking? Well, we're talking, we're talking. Mr. Mr. Aaron Nola's agent. <laughs> we're talking probably at least 27 to $28 million a year. And, yeah, we're probably talking a six- to seven-year deal. It's It would be akin to the same sort of contracts that Trey Turner and Bryce Harper got, where they're, you're they're, paying a lot for what you're going to get up front, and then it's okay. going to cost you a lot in the back end. I was going to say, they're position players. He's a pitcher. You're probably going to end up swallowing some of that money. And yeah, you probably will with Harper, and you probably will with Turner. Okay. Um, 
I'm with you just because I don't like the alternative. Sonny Gray is a nice pitcher, but he's not replacing Aaron Nola. No. Uh, I like Jordan Montgomery, but not to replace Aaron Nola. And if you sign Aaron Nola, you don't have to worry about any of those guys because, as Dave Dombrowski said, the rest of the rotation is set. I'm pretty much with you. I may have limits a little bit below yours, but in theory, I'm with you. All right. Question number two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hoskins, we barely knew you. Yeah, he's no longer a Philly. Okay. It's a shame. You know, I mean, it's, it's a shame in that. The, it's the way the business is. the way the business is. He this is the terrific. business they have chosen. This. says Hyman Roth. Yes, correct. Okay. All right. Uh, Don't have to spend much time on that. No. Number three, and this is a big one. Are you in or out on Mike Trout? Ooh. Ooh. I'm, a, I'm a poet. <laughs> I might be in. Mm. I think there would have to be a corresponding move, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. You got too many outfielders. Right. Yeah. You're going to have to find a spot for him. Well, you probably, if you if you trade him, I believe Johan Rojas is probably going to go back on the other side of that deal. Probably. Yeah. Um, or Marsh. Right. Actually, you got Marsh from them, didn't you? You, you did, yes. Well, they might want him back. Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, I, look, you give up Johan Rojas to get Mike Trout in a heartbeat. Well, uh, I don't think that's a one-for-one. One. No, <laughs> of course. Um, I, I would think about it. I would look into it. You're you're now. You're a now team, correct? You, you are. You Harper, are. Schwarber, Castellanos, Real Muto, Bohm, and, and Stott are on the come. Mm-hmm. Strike while the iron's hot. I think you gotta you got to think about it. you okay. got to consider it. So the problem, of course, is that he has missed more games than he has played over the last three years. He, he will – Pull a muscle and break his leg trotting out to, to you know, the shag flies. Mm-hmm. That's a real concern. It is. Because if a guy comes here and he plays 70 games a year, he's doing you no good whatsoever. And that is his track record over the last three years. Okay. Yeah, it's got to give you pause. Okay. It, it, you it, pause. Again, we don't care about John Milden's money, but it's another huge contract that you are taking on, which pushes you, which maybe makes you less able to do other things. Um, There's been scuttlebutt about <clears throat> trading Castellanos, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's a big I, contract I, off, but your you books. probably have to swallow some of that money too going away. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> here's my thing about Trout, and I'm going to quote WIP's Tom Kelly or paraphrase WIP's Tom Kelly because I don't remember exactly how he said it. I am entirely against the Phillies trading for Mike Trout. Up until the moment it happens, at which point I will be very excited about yes. it. And that's how I feel about yeah. it, which means that logically I am really against this. Logically, I think you have a player whose best years are behind him, who has kind of – there's a sentimental attachment to this because he's, hey, he's at the Eagles game. He's yeah. Mike Trout. He's one of us. Millville, be, New Jersey. Yeah, it'll be the greatest thing and so on. And he's – listen, he's he's a player. He's one of the – he may be the best player in baseball over the last decade. I say that off the top of my head, but he's certainly in the top five players in baseball in the last 10 years. But it may be that you're trading for a car that's about – the car that has broken down that's about to completely break down. So I vote no with the reservation that when it happens, I am you going get to, to celebrate. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely would be. I mean, it would. it's so exciting. I yeah, mean, there, there is one thing you have to think about, too, which – and this is not meant in any way as a slight at Trout from a character or personality standpoint. But teams can get themselves in trouble sometimes when they just become a roster full of guys that they have signed, big-name guys who they have signed. Sure. 
And one of the things that I think has led to the Philly success over the last couple of years is not just Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos, the big-name guys who Dave Dombrowski and Matt Klintak before him had brought in. It's Reese Hoskins was a Philly from birth, so to speak, yep. and Bryce and Stott and Alec Bohm. Yep. And if you keep bringing in, quote-unquote, and this is a loaded term, mercenaries, guys who are just here to win for a little while, whatever kind of intangible thing a team might have that helps them win, you might be sacrificing a little And bit. you remember how excited everybody, including management, was about Johan Rojas up until he went, you know, 0 for 29 1 for 45, in, the, right, yeah. in the postseason. Um, but I think in the regular season, he showed himself to be a guy who's got a future in the major leagues. And he's he's definitely, he's a he's a plus-plus center fielder, which is nice to have on a team that, you know, defense is not always a strong point. Yeah, I think the Trout thing really is kind of a 50-50 proposition. I mean, think about Brandon Marsh, right? You mentioned him as a possible absence if you have to go get Trout. Okay, well, Marsh is what, 24, 25? 25, yeah. Suppose Trout does get hurt. And Brandon Marsh continues his ascent into a mm-hmm. pretty good hitting. I like Brandon Marsh. You know, very good defensive outfielder. <clears throat> you like, don't have yeah. him anymore. I like him. So, And I think you'd probably lose both Rojas and Marsh. Yeah. And do you like that? And maybe Kirkering, your guy, and Christopher Chance says. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. Who knows who else, right? Yeah, he so. become a very top-heavy team very fast. <laughs> All right. So we're against it until it happens. Right. And then we, we love re- it. We reserve the right to cheer for Mike Trout <laughs> really good. and his arrival in Philadelphia after he arrives. All right. Any other Phillies issues you want to bring up? Do, do they? you want to trade Nick Castellanos? I mean, what am I getting? Am I trading him to dump him, or am I trading him for something that's going to help me? I in, think, in theory, I don't. You know, I right. can live without him. But what, what's the deal? I think the scuttlebutt or the the presumption was that you would trade him to get something for him, and that something would be a player or players who makes more contact more consistently than Nick Castellanos. Then I vote yes. Okay, depends on the player. Depends on the production. Yeah, you know, Nick Castellanos helps you. Over the course of a 162-game season with his production, he can help you over a week in the playoffs. He might kill you in, this, in the next week because he loses the strike zone. I think one of the things that the postseason showed us, and certainly the series against Arizona did, is that while this team can score a lot of runs and has and can just pound the ball, you can be top-heavy with guys who hit home runs and strike out. Yeah. And you do need some – you know, I disagree with the, yeah, the only wins home runs, you can't win. I, I don't agree with that entirely, but I do think you certainly need some guys who are not going to strike out and hit 290. It, it's worth thinking about, and I haven't crunched the numbers on this, but I would be curious how much of the Phillies' production as a whole in the regular season came against teams and pitchers that they weren't going to see in the postseason. In the postseason, you are seeing the very best yeah, pitchers right. all the time. Mm-hmm. A guy throws one bad pitch, gives up a home run, the manager is going to get him out of there as fast as he possibly can. You don't have that in the regular season. Yeah, I think that's point. part that's part of what happened in that Arizona season. All righty. Here's the deal. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we're going to – you know, we'll sneak in a call. I see a caller hold. We'll sneak in one call before the break. But uh, coming up – we're going to get some Eagles into the conversation and uh, continue to talk about the Sixers. And we got a couple good guests and TV stuff. But, Rick, let's get Rick before we hit the break, if I can get the mouse to work. There it is. Hello, Rick. Thank, thank you, guys. Good morning. Uh-huh. So, you know, we're, we're throwing away Hoskins really quickly. And I'm wondering about um, 
Philly trades Schwarber and Castellanos. Keep uh, Hoskins as a uh, DH, right-handed bat. I think it's a better option. Maybe trade those two guys for Trout, another outfielder somehow. But I think we're giving up. I'd rather have Hoskins as DH, right-handed contact hitter than Schwarber. That's my thoughts. Any thoughts, guys? Yeah. I, I First of all, I wouldn't think, Rick, of Reese Hoskins as a contact hitter. <laughs> um, More and- so than Schwarber. Well, not, I mean, not 160 strikeouts versus 190 strikeouts isn't going to move it. Yeah, and Schwarber, to be very honest, is more productive than Hoskins has been at his best. Schwarber hits more home runs. He gets on base more. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down with that. Let's put it that way. They're both, they're both good guys in the clubhouse, but Schwarber clearly emerged as the leader of this team also. He is such a part of the personality that I, I wouldn't want to do it. For that reason alone. But good call. Appreciate yeah. it. Intri- intriguing idea, Rick. Thank you for the call. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now on 94 WIP. Hey, I had the chance recently to catch up with the great people from Meridian Bank. Uh, along with one of their business banking customers, we sat around over a beer or two and talked some ideas. And I got to tell you, over the year, uh, I have met a lot of business owners that work with Meridian Bank, and every time I do, I'm just blown away with how highly these people speak of Meridian Bank and their relationship. Knowing the team of people at Meridian, I'm not surprised. They are the preferred banker of businesses and entrepreneurs. Meridian itself is entrepreneurial. They know how to listen to great ideas and understand innovative thinking. Learn how Meridian Bank can help your business succeed at meridianbanker.com. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. We talk some Sixers. We talk some Phillies. We'll get Flyers in the show later, we promise. But uh, Eagles at the midpoint of the season, 8-1. and one. Everybody's kind of done the review of that, and we'll mm-hmm. do some of that later. But I want to just um, talk about one aspect of it, which uh, the defensive line. Yeah. Um, and the, last core, week, the core of the stupid football bet. Yeah, well, and uh, we're, gonna, we're moving into that. So last week's game was interesting because coming off of the game against Washington, where they didn't get any pressure at all on Sam Howell until the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Last week, they get two sacks in the first half. To be honest with you, I only remember the Reddick one. I don't remember the other one. No, I don't either. Okay, but there was a second one. 
And then with two minutes, 47 seconds left in the game, the Eagles up by five when it's really tough. Yes. And the Eagles are killing themselves with like 36-yard pass interference penalty and Hassan Reddick. They were not sharp in the final few minutes of that game. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Uh, But they did get consecutive sacks. uh, They got sacks on consecutive plays, excuse me. The first one by Brandon Graham. And then with two minutes and 10 seconds left to go, Cowboys, second down and 17. All right, let's let me set this up first. Merrill's playing hurt. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. This was Merrill. Kirk Gibson in the '88 series. <laughs> it was. So Merrill's going to sound the Jordan a little, flu game. Yes, it, it is. Merrill's going to sound a little froggy, but hey, man, he did it and he finished well. Go ahead. Oh, I love it too. It's it's good the Eagles had a bye week this week because anyone who was within 15 feet of Merrill at that game, I'm sure, got sick. Yeah. <laughs> Merrill, a lot of honey and lemon, Merrill, yeah, a lot of right. honey and lemon. Uh, anyway, the point is Jalen Carter gets a sack. He got half a sack. He got a half a sack. Brandon Graham got the other half. I was hoping that like Merrill's call would be just the one that counted. So <laughs> look at uh, you trying to influence the outcome. Well, there's uh, the outcome uh, moved last week because Reddick got a sack and mm-hmm. I got some movement and so on. So here's where we stand, uh, kind of at the midway point of the season. Jalen, uh, Jalen, uh, Hassan Reddick, mm-hmm. who, if you recall, started slowly. He the, did the cast on on the thumb. Has really picked it up. Seven and a half sacks in nine games. Nicely done, Mike Sealski. Pretty good. You could make an argument that it's even better than that because he didn't have a sack in the first three. All right, let's not make that argument. So seven and a half sacks yeah. in I, six I, games. I did note that point. You know, you just were, saying. Okay. Right. So my Georgia Bulldogs, eight. Mm-hmm. I got a half a sack lead. I got four from Jalen Carter. Love that kid. He's a good player. Defensive rookie of the year. I got two and a half from Davis. Not bad. Having a really nice second year. I got one from Nolan Smith looking for a big let's go, fella. Let's, you know, pick it up a little bit. Yeah. Opportunities are going to come his way. He, he's your chance to really put me away in this match. I need him to do something. I have now lost N'Kobe Dean. You have. With what is believed to be a Liz Frank's brain. He finishes the year with a disappointing 05. And by the way, he did not look good the last two games. No, the middle of their defense has Oof. looked like uh, the inside of a cream puff. Yeah. You know, for a while here. Yeah. Uh, it's a concern. It's very much a concern. And I'm still waiting on my big Kaylee Ringo moment, which has not yet arrived. But they, you never know. Which may not arrive. <laughs> but you get them, you know, on the uh, uh, on the off chance that they blitz Kaylee Ringo in a 49 nothing game. So uh, dinner at Ralph's Italian Restaurant, the great, the oldest Italian restaurant in America, and we love it. Um, you and me. And uh, our producers, uh, Dan Wilson, Dan paying Wilson. very close attention to this bet. Dan loves Ralph's ice cream. Yeah, Dan and oh gosh, <laughs> Dan and Ben Kenny. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. You are you. It, it is really interesting how you go to that restaurant. We're like all like we chow down and we eat and we drink, and you're like saving room for ice cream. <laughs> Well, you're like I, an eight-year-old. Yeah, well, I did it the first year and got a really big reaction on it. So I think I'm kind of stuck doing it now. Yeah, like, it I, I kind of have to blame sh- it. You got to shake it up, man. You, you, you uh, have to, you know, do you a know, little tiramisu. Come on. Actually, I, I agree. It's now his identity. Uh, uh, anyway, so the bet, the bet is moving along, and the Eagles are moving along, and the Eagles are eight and one. Yeah. And we should all be delighted. 
Are we delighted? Oh, I don't feel like anybody's really delighted. I don't either. And here's somebody who is not delighted. This is the great Hall of Fame safety for the Eagles, Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins was on, uh, I think, with uh, he was on with Marks and Reese this week. Yeah, he was on with Marks and Reese. And kind of this is what he said mm-hmm. about the Eagles at 8-1. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Not impressed. No. No. And look, I respect Doc as much as any player I've ever covered or met. And I think he's his opinion here is shaped a little bit by his own experience. Think back to those Eagles teams that he was on in 2002, 2003, especially 2004. That 04 team went through the rest of the NFC, you know, hot knife through butter kind of stuff. And last year's Eagles team was pretty much that. This year's team has not been. The one thing I would say to Doc is, are you watching the rest of the NFL closely? Because the rest of the NFL, if you think the Eagles are ugly, the rest of the NFL is going to turn you off of pro football forever. That's a really good point. It, it is a bad league this year. It really is yeah. not good. Okay. But they are, they are who we look at microscopically. Uh, I will ask you now, are you more or less confident about this team's chances to win the Super Bowl than you were a year ago? I am a little more confident. I still wouldn't pick them to win it just because I think the road to get back there is so such a grind and so challenging. That was what I said at the beginning of the season, and I'll stick to that. However, the fact that San Francisco has shown vulnerabilities and has injuries that's the team I thought was going to go to the Super Bowl and still might. Uh, the fact that Detroit is a two-loss team but doesn't put the fear of God in you. Yeah. Um, 
the fact I'd be that surprised if Detroit advances far in the playoffs. I would They're too. having a great year, but it's like, you know, first time around. Um, the fact that they beat Dallas helps reaffirm that. I think that game was everything, and I know Dallas could have won that game three or four times, but they didn't. And that game, like for tiebreakers, for standings, for playing at home during the playoffs was so important. Yeah. I, you look at their remaining schedule, I think it's reasonable to think they'll finish 13-4. and four. I hear you. So let's do this, okay? They're 8-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Do we agree that the last three games against the carcass of the New York Giants, <laughs> two of those, and against a Washington team playing for nothing at Arizona. They've already played. Or Arizona, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, not Washington. Arizona. Okay. An Arizona team that's tanking. Yes. Okay. So those are three wins. Okay. So that's 11 wins there. Right. Your next five is at Kansas City next week. Loss. Buffalo home. Win. San Francisco home. <sighs> Possibly a loss. Okay. okay. No, I have. I'm sorry. I have that as a win. I apologize. I have yeah. that as a win. Okay. I have that as a win in every whining San Francisco fan. <laughs> Hold on. Talking to you, my nephew Nando. Talking Ooh. to you, Nando. Uh, wow. Anyway. Shout out to Nando in a bad way. Uh, I love Nando, but he's he he whined so much after that last. But well, they deliberately hurt our quarterback. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't want to digress. Um, at Dallas, loss. At Seattle. Loss. That's the one that That's, I had as a loss. Okay, so I, so I, I agree. They win the two home games. They lose the three road games. That's eight plus the three at the end of the year plus two is 13. Hello. Yeah, which would be beyond the expectation that I had at the beginning of the season. I really okay. thought of them as a 11 or 12 win team just based on the attrition of, hey, we, we got to gear up to get back uh, on the same horse to get back to the Super Bowl. And I think that's difficult. But they do have some weaknesses and concerns. One, as we mentioned, is in the middle of the defense. And the other one John is going to bring up here, and I think I'm going to agree with him. Hello, John. Hey. I just want to say I think Mike just did a Ray Diddy pause there. The big uh, <laughs> He did. Nail. He did the pregnant pause. I You're did. exactly I, I'm right. I'm not even wearing khakis, John. I know. It's osmosis. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, on the uh, defensive backs there, I was just talking to my friends on the phone. They gave me an idea to call. You think Brad Berry lost that much? What's going on with the, the back there and the new uh, safety we got from uh, Tennessee? He doesn't seem to be uh, panning out so well. It's only I'm, two weeks, I'm but... not worried about Bayard yet. He's new. We've given him some time yeah. to adjust. I mean, I remember last year with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. It took a little time, and then he was fine, really good. Bayard is a real pro. Bradbury, Mike? I think there's some unsettledness, obviously, in that secondary. I'd like to think that part of that is the reason, you know, that is part of the reason that Bradbury has not been as good this season as he was last season when he was an all-pro. I was puzzled by some of what they did, John, against the Cowboys. I know Sean Desai likes to give an offense different looks, but... What ended up happening was you had guys on C.D. Lamb who should not have been covering C.D. Lamb too much of the time. And the fact that it's a different guy doesn't necessarily mean that he can stay with the Cowboys' best receiver. Uh, So I wonder if coming out of the bye, they're going to make some adjustments from a scheme standpoint to try to settle everything down in that secondary. Like, put Darius Slay on C.D. Lamb, have him follow him all over the field, and work from there. At least that's what I would have done. Yeah, I got concerns about Bradbury. I do, and and I listen. I got and thanks for the call. It's good stuff. I got some concerns about Slay. Mm. Um, not that Slay's fallen off the end of the earth, but I 
don't think he's as elite as he was, and I think Bradbury looks like he's lost a step or two. Yeah, I, I do think there's a case to be made that some of the success that the secondary had last season was a byproduct of the opposition, the quarterbacks that they were playing yeah. against. You see Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy slash Josh Johnson in the playoffs. That's not quite the same thing as seeing Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. No, that is correct. Mitchie Tools uh, is here. How you feeling, Mitch? I'm doing good. Yes, I'm feeling good, guys. Good. Last time I talked to you, I was a little uh, under the weather. I know. Doing good. Yeah. Do you have your radio on there? You know better than that. It, it's off. I know. I'm, I'm a bad boy. I'm at work. Um, okay. You know, customers come in. They're not playing that great deal, but they're 8-1. It doesn't matter because the other teams are slipping a little bit in so many different directions that we're winning. I don't care if we win by a tush push or a or a field goal. <laughs> One it's cheek is enough. Yeah. <laughs> and and listen, the best thing, it's a bye week. There's only three one o'clock games, which I get to watch them now. I love one o'clock or I hate one o'clock games. You hate one o'clock games? Oh, yeah, because I'm at work. Oh, well. I hate them. Okay. I, lo- I love one o'clock games. I love one yeah. o'clock games. Well, you um, deadlines and Yes, you know. absolutely yeah. deadlines and, right. and if I'm home they're great. I can yeah. have a beer in yeah. the middle of the yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, oh, and a little thing I, about um, when Netflix. Did you guys check out the Sly uh, documentary yet? Not yet. We're g- I I watched I, I watched another documentary that we're going to talk about during what we're yeah. watching, Mitch. Uh, I I do want to watch the Sly doc, but I watched a different yeah. one that was. We'll talk about it. What do you do? Yeah. You watch the the Sylvester Stallone documentary. Give us your thirty second review. Uh, I'll just say surprising. I'll I'll use the word comforting and. I'd say an underrated actor that, of course, he found his niche. Yeah. Hey, you but, know what? That's a pretty good review. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So Ray uh, Dinger and I did one of our sports movie nights this week that mm-hmm. we, we do every once in a while. We did it at the Players Club of Swarthmore. 300 people loved it. Great turnout. Awesome. Enthusiastic. Yeah, it was terrific. Um, and we show the, a scene from Creed mm. where uh, Creed comes into Rocky's place and meets him. Rocky doesn't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And Stallone's acting in that scene was brilliant because he was the old kind of understated, you know, early Rocky come now as an older guy. He is an underrated actor because he did so many cheesy roles. The guy can act. The scene in Rocky in which he is lying on the bed with Adrian and talking about how he wants to prove to himself and everyone else that he's not just another bum from the neighborhood. Yeah, it's brilliant. Is the single best scene in any sports movie ever made. I think it's the key to the entire movie. Ooh, that's big, big talk. There. I, I think it, it's the key to the entire movie. I'll take the home run at the end of um, the natural. Yeah, ooh, oh yeah, it's phenomenal. It's best edited thing ever. Uh, but, but that is it. That is a great one. And I'll give you one thing that I learned when we write the book. He before he did that, he can, wanted that scene to can, go. So can I well. guess not not knowing what you're going to say? Mm-hmm. Did he do a shot of whiskey or something? Three before? of them. Three of them. Yeah, he, wow. wanted, he got a little bit, a little bit tipsy before he did the oh, scene. Oh man! Yeah, oh, you'd heard that. Yeah. You read the book. Thank you. Yeah. Two one five five nine two. I bought the book. Ninety four. It's more important to buy books than it is to read them when your friends write them. And just, do you have any books out there in the market? Uh, just one about Kobe Bryant's there called The Rise. Oh, by the holidays way, are coming up. Real quick, we, oh, we're late for a break. I'll tell. We'll talk about it coming back. Two one five five nine two ninety four. 94, Keith Pompey of the Inquirer joins us at the top of the hour. Hey, it's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors. Yeah, it's going to be cold this week. Uh, Winter's rolling in, pal. 
Good people at Guided Door and Window can make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. Now, for every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. You can mix and match the savings. Suit your own needs. You buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. You buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. Maybe you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house. Great time to do so. You save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Now, Guide is making it easier for you to afford this project with no money down. Interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mike Sielski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. A few things I want to get in here before we take the break. Top of the hour, we get Keith Pompey in here. Uh, big college football day today, and, of course, the big thing... Uh, in this Commonwealth is Penn State taking a uh, number nine Penn State mm-hmm. taking on uh, number two Michigan Michigan uh, and of course the big story of that game is that Jim Harbaugh will not be on the sidelines having been suspended in that big sign stealing controversy that is being investigated by the NCAA and the Big Ten. Your take? He's I'm, let me just set it up. He is serving a three game no he served a three game suspension earlier this year. Excuse me over allegations of recruiting violations. Good year. Uh, and now this is the allegations that involve ticket purchases at several Big Ten stadiums as part of an unauthorized scouting and sign-stealing scheme. So he can't be on the sidelines. Your take. Well, first of all, I look forward to any documentaries or feature films that are going to be made about this because I want to see and learn more about Connor Stallions. Yeah, it's great. Talk about it. a great character name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's kind of Forrest Gumpish. Not Forrest Gump. That's not what I'm thinking of. Zelig. Remember the movie yeah, Zelig? Yeah, Yeah, Woody just Allen. like kind of showing up everywhere, yeah. being in every picture everywhere. Uh, it's probably the number one log on on OnlyFans.com now. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, look, Jim Harbaugh runs that program from soup to nuts. The idea that he didn't know what was going on. Is not believable. Yeah, you can't. There's no plot. Well, even if he didn't, it doesn't work for me. Right, exactly. There's no. You're in charge of the program. You can't do a Sergeant Schultz on that. You have to be responsible for all of it. You are the executive of it. There's no figure in sports that is more powerful than a college football coach. Yeah. Except maybe a college basketball coach. They are the president, the general manager, the coach. They are everything. So the idea that he didn't know what was going on, or if he didn't, that he should, you know, he should have known. It's, you know, it's ridiculous. So, the, what's the punishment? The punishment is is really nothing. No, he it's can not. coach the team during the week. Yeah, he can't he, be there on. He, he cannot the be on the, the sidelines during the game. Uh, I don't know if he calls the plays during the game. I'm guessing not. I'm guessing that's the offensive coordinator. I think so, yeah. Okay. I, you know what? And I know, listen, it's a big game today, Penn State. That's, this is not Appalachian State here. It's, you know, it's a big game. But Not like they always beat Appalachian State anyway. That's true. Well, Michigan, that, yeah, yeah. That's true. Well done. But yeah. I, I I, think it amounts to a whole bunch of nothing. It's the, it's the minimum penalty they could give him while giving him a penalty. And by the way, aiming to avoid lawyers, and this thing's going to be lawyers all over the place. The amusing part to me, Glenn, is... 
the reaction among Michigan alumni and fans who are looking at this as a witch hunt against Jim Harbaugh, their patron saint of football. It's sure. something that really turns me off, honestly, sure. about the sport as a whole, uh, is the yeah. the nature of the fan bases of these schools. Co- college fans are nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We've seen that in this state. Plenty, I'll yes. leave it at that. We've seen that in this state. Yep, absolutely. So, anyway, yeah, all right. Big, uh, game. Big game, though. Yes. Uh, you had a college football point you wanted to well, make Well, yes, here? a college game day. A Philadelphia Eagle will be the uh, guest picker on ESPN's college game day this morning. Nolan uh, Smith. Uh, oh, I was going to guess. Nolan oh. Smith. Yes, it's, sorry. it's down in Georgia? It is at Georgia. Georgia hosting Ole Miss today. That's the other like big game. I mean, there's a few big games today, but that's the other big game of the day. I'm going to say good for Nolan Smith, and you're going to say? Someone probably canceled. Usually they get A-list celebrities <laughs> on that. I mean, no, no disrespect to Nolan Smith. He's a first-round pick. He went to Georgia. The yeah. Eagles but, rookie but, sensation but with they, one sack this I mean, season. Co- college game day, you like got Dwayne The Rock Johnson earlier this yeah, year. Not yeah. quite the same. Nolan's probably home, and like, yeah, I think you're They're right. They're like, hey, we heard you're they coming to the game this morning. They learned this morning, like, yeah. sorry, he can't be there. Like, uh-oh, what are we going to do? Who's <laughs> around? at an NFL player who's here. Hey, yeah. if Nolan calls... Pat McAfee, a jabroni, it's all good as far uh, as I'm concerned. There you go. All right, let's get the Flyers up here. They got a rare win last night. John Tortorella's team, boy, they needed that one. They did. Scored some goals, right? Six of them? How many goals did they yeah, score? Yeah, six to three. There you go. Six to three win. How about that? Sean Couturier, Cam Atkinson, Louis Beldepio. <laughs> I don't need Bell, Bell Pep. Wait. Bell I, Pepper I, Pizza? I don't. I, I honestly don't know this guy. Bell Padillo. Yeah, I, he sounds like a guy who would have been on the team back in 1968 oh, yeah. when they just expanded. You know, he'd have been yeah, on the line with Lou big, Angotti. I, well, I was going to say <laughs> big lugging defenseman. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Look, a good win for them. Yeah, well, it's they a win. It. A win's a good win. Any win is a good win. Uh, I, I wrote about the Flyers earlier this week because if you follow this team at all, there's been much sturm and drang and much controversy about Tortorella's decision to bench Morgan Frost, who was pretty good for them over the last two-thirds of the season last year. And I just kind of feel that there are still a lot of Flyers fans who are caught up in looking at this team on a day-to-day basis, whether they win, whether they lose, who's in the lineup, who's not. And to me, and this was the analogy I used in my column, Glenn, getting worked up over John Tortorella benching someone on this team is like getting worked up over Brett Brown benching Tony Roten back in 2014. Like, the Flyers are in the middle of their process. Most of the guys on the roster now may not be here when they actually well, get good, okay, if they get good. But Morgan Frost is one who's supposed to be here when they get Maybe. good. Maybe. Well, again, he he was he was the leading scorer last year, or certainly was down the, the, the stretch. Um, I just kind of like it because, to me, I like a coach sending a message to a player he doesn't think is going all out. So I'm always good with that. Yeah, I think there are, it's, it's a line to walk now where – People who cover pro sports and people who follow pro sports now always tend to evaluate a coach's decision to bench somebody based on, okay, is that what the player really needs? Or does the player need the pat on the back and the Mm -hmm. softer hand? And I think that— I shouldn't do that? I shouldn't evaluate it that way? Well, what I'm saying is I think more and more fans and media members say the softer hand is better than the seat on the bench. Uh, I like a kick in the rump. Yeah. He played, I mean, listen, he played you, better last night. You he got did. John Tortorella as your coach. If John Tortorella is your coach, that's what you're getting. Right. So unless they're going to replace John Tortorella, and there is an argument that he may not be the perfect coach that Jonesy and Danny Briere inherited, I get it. 
But, you know, we'll see. By the way, Carter Hart also ready to get back into action. Yes. Uh, I guess he had a, was ill yesterday, but he's he the, ready. He had the Merrill Reese flu, apparently. Yeah, okay. Well, good. Uh, and just the last thing, Jonesy Beer is out. Yes. Uh, Contract and Brewing Company has released Jonesy Canadian Lager. Jo- excuse me, Jonesy Hockey Lager. I should know my own product. Jonesy <laughs> Hockey Lager, uh, benefiting Flyers Charities. We have a big charity event scheduled Date might change, but right now, right into your calendar, Wednesday, November 29th, 6 to 9 p.m. at Publer's Kitchen and Tap on DeKalb Street in Bridgeport. Going to have a bunch of flyers out there, flyer alums, some really good names. are going to be out there. Obviously, Jonesy is going to be out there. Uh, Mike Missinelli. Mike Missinelli. Excuse me. He's not going to be there. Mike Sealski is going to be there. Angelo Cataldi is going to be signing his new book, Yep. uh, along with Ray Dinger. Going to have a nice crowd, good charity. Again, it's November 29th, possibly subject to change. I'll let you know. Okay. I'll be there, There no matter what the date is. All right. Coming up, Keith Pompey is going to join us, and we'll talk some Sixers. And we'll take your calls at 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Indeed he does. That's Kate Scott, the great skate. Kate Scott last night as the Flyers beat. The, the Flyers. The Flyers. Jeez, what am I doing today? You're thinking about. Uh, I got five and a half hours sleep. It's catching up There you me. go. That, that's the explanation. Flyers put up 100 points? Uh, no, Good night they for didn't. Them. The Sixers had a great third quarter, second half, beat the Pistons in Detroit. Keith Pompey, uh, the fine writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, who was there at the game, joins us. Keith, let's start with the big news, which is. They won a tournament game, so, like, uh, what do they get, Keith? What fabulous prizes do they get? I don't know. They need to get out of the second round first before (laughs) we can talk about it. All right, and we'll talk about the team, but I do want to throw this in. My level of interest in this tournament is is zero. What about the players? Oh, they're excited. I mean, especially this team, when you have a lot of guys who are on minimum contracts, right? I mean, they're they're, they're excited and um, motivated because they want because they want to get that five hundred thousand. I yeah. mean, it seems like mm. you no, know, that's what a lot of people are talking about. They want to get this five hundred thousand um, dollars per player. So yeah, they're excited about it. Yeah, I think it, I don't want to get sidetracked on it. I just think it's a, just a really horrible idea to incentivize NBA players to make money when they're already under contract to make money in the regular season. But well, Mike, let's move on. L- let's move on. But I do want to ask Keith this, Keith. You have a, you mentioned contracts, and you have a couple of guys on this roster in Tobias Harris and Kelly Oubre, just picking out those two because they've been such terrific contributors and have played so well so far in helping this team get off to a 7-1 start. And both of those guys are in the last year of their contracts. It just seems to me that that's a big motivating factor here that – we can talk about the togetherness and losing Harden and Embiid playing better and Tyrese Maxey, but the fact that Harris and Oubre are playing for their next contract seems to me kind of an undersold aspect of how well the team is playing now. Yeah, and it's, it's, I guess it's undersold in two ways, right? I mean, I, you look at it, I mean, let's face it, these, these guys want to get paid, and, and they're not the only ones. I mean, there's a bunch of them in their final years of the contract, all the guys that they just traded for in the final years. So they all want to get paid. But also if you're the 76ers, knowing that you have a lot of cap space coming back, you can look at it and say, well, are these some guys we want to bring back? I mean, you know, maybe not Tobias at that figure that he made, but I'm pretty sure like he fits in great with Nick Nurse's system. 
to where you would want to bring them back. So I think it's for both of them. You're right. Like, they're all having contract years. So when you have contract years, what do you do? You buy in, right? You buy in, and, and secondly, you make sure that you give 100%, you know, as, as most of the time. So so you can get paid with your next one. But, yeah, that that's a, a big thing that is being undersold because a lot of people aren't talking about it. But, yeah, they are in their last year. Keith Pompey of the Inquirer is our guest. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at Pompey, P-O-M-P-E-Y, on Sixers. Um, what do you see as the impact so far of Nick Nurse? How is he different than Doc, both uh, during the game and just uh, overall? Well, you know what? I, I think that Nick Nurse had the liberty of playing against the Sixers for so long to where he knew, like, their weaknesses. He knew, like, certain things that they, on paper, like, well, man, maybe if they did this <laughs> – we would have a tough time beating them. And the first thing that he did was he decided that, you know what, Joel, we love you. You're going to get your touches. You're going to get your shots. But we're going to have to play in a more free-flowing offense. We need to get Tobias Harris more involved. We got to get, like, a guy like Kelly Oubre involved. And I feel like that has been a benefit. Um, another thing that I hear is that, you know, he's not kind of, like, stubborn. He's the type of coach that – Hey, Coach, I think this is working out. Maybe we should try this. He listens. He tries certain things. He puts a lot of different faith in his players. But, but um, you know, the, the one thing is I think the main thing is the fact that he has a more free-flowing offense. He's given more guys a chance to show what they can do, and they all love that. They came last year. They were there, and it was a matter of them just standing in the corner and watching James Harden and Joel Embiid <laughs> dominate the ball mm-hmm. they didn't like that they didn't like that at all Keith you mentioned Embiid obviously and one of the big questions heading into this season given the hardened controversy was can the Sixers keep Embiid happy so that he doesn't do what other superstars around the NBA have done and demand a trade or make some kind of demand for a roster change or something along those lines what sense have you gotten so far about where Embiid is at with the team, with the franchise, with the direction of everything? You know what? I think Embiid is happy. But I, I think, Mike, in order for us to give the uh, – the, I mean, to get the real – the true story, it, it's going to have to wait. I mean, we're going to have to wait until the offseason, until the playoffs and everything. Because, you know, yeah, it's only been, what, eight games right now. Things are great. Joel Embiid is the alpha dog of alpha dogs, right? Before he was battling with with Ben Simmons and then it was James Harden a little bit for control of the team. But what I think is everything is great, but what's going to happen is what are the 76ers going to do at the trade deadline, Mm. right? Um, Secondly, after that, what happens in free agency, right? Now, if they don't make any moves or they can't get anyone, and something like that, and a lot of these guys that they have right now come off the books or or whatever, and it, it, they don't make movements. I think that that's when we'll find out what Joel does because you know Joel wants to win a championship, and 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 that's his goal right now. And I, and I think that if the Sixers don't make anything, especially if they go out in the second round again, you know he'll look at it like you know this isn't. And I, I'm not. I don't want to talk for him, but I'm I'm assuming that. You know, if it was me, you look at it and say, I've done this before. I won MVP. 
I've been all NBA. We won a lot of games. This will be, you know, we, we finished first in the East three years ago. I need to win the championship. I need to get out of the second round. So although everything seems great, it's kind of sort of like early days, man. It's like you're running the first quarter mile of a mile race. You know, you still have other laps to go. And at that particular point is when we'll feel, realize everything. I think none of this means anything in the, in the grand scheme of things. Boy, that was disappointing. <laughs> I've been enjoying it. See, here's here's my my thought. As somebody who's who's certainly not that, clearly not as involved as you, is just not that involved, right? I just I just watch mm-hmm. them and try to enjoy them. And to me, it's been, and, and listen, you've done a marvelous job of coaching of coaching of of covering the soap opera, right? Mm-hmm. So it's been you know going backwards, James Harden, and before that it was Simmons, and before that it was the Colangelo thing, and before that it was, you know, the the rookie who can't shoot the ball, and it's just been these five years of constant soap operas. And Keith, what I'm saying and hoping is that maybe this doesn't relate to Embiid necessarily coming or going, but just in terms of following this team, are are we out of soap operas now? Or are we in like the era of good feelings? I mean, we could be. I mean, we, I mean, like we could be, but at the same time, it's still early days. Yeah. And the reason why I'm saying that is, think about this, y'all. When Doc Rivers first came in, like everyone's getting excited because the Seventy Sixers are seven and one. When Doc going Doc's first season, and and we know that was kind of like a, a pandemic season or or mm-hmm. the, the second season after the pandemic season. A lot of people were excited. A lot of people were hyped up. They had the best uh, record in the East. I mean, everything seemed great, and then all of a sudden it fell apart. So what I'm saying is, yes, there is some continuity, it seems to be, with a new coach. But, again, when you only have four or three guys, no, they have four guys coming back next year. It's going to be Paul Reed. It's going to be Jaden Springer. um, It's going to be um, Joel, and I'm just going to say Maxie, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you you figure Maxie's going to come back. So then if you can't get the certain guys that you want to, then you, if you're Joel, you're saying, here we go again. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is great. It's a great start. And, and I don't want to be the Debbie Downer and anything like that. But at the same time, it's one of those things where I think they've been through this before. Like they had very extremely successful regular seasons. In Philadelphia, the only thing that matters is getting out of the second round at this particular point. And then you can reevaluate things at that point. And if they don't do that, you know, I, I kind of think that, you know, if, if 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 there's some other places who want them and, and, and they think they got to reload or do anything or Joel wants to go elsewhere, I mean, I think you really have to consider it, um, unfortunately, but I think you have to consider it. Tyrese Maxey, Keith, has mm-hmm. – improved steadily since entering the NBA. What what do you think he can be? What how how good can he be? Where are the steps he still needs to take uh to kind of max out his potential? You know, and, and that's a great question because you know, you look at Tyrese and he had another like 10 plus, you know, assist game, zero turnovers. You know, he he had uh, you know, over 20 points yesterday. But there were certain times where I saw guys cutting and, and Tyrese didn't see him. You know what I mean? And and you feel like – but then you look at it and you say he's a scoring point guard trying to be 
a traditional point guard. But I, but I think like his awareness at all times can improve a little bit. Now again, that's not enough because he's playing well. But I feel like his overall command, especially in the half court set, can grow a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. But out, outside of that, when you look at Tyrese, I, I think that can happen because if you look at him, he's the type of guy that, um, you know, since he's been in the in since he's been in the league, he's progressed each year. Over the summer, he worked on something. He worked on a weakness and kind of got better with it. So, to me, I think becoming more of a pure point guard in a half-court set, because in a half-court set, you're going to be in that more so than often in the playoffs. And you're going to have to always get that right read. You're going to have to find the right player, because every possession matters in the postseason, in the slower game. So, to me, that will has to be the next step that Tyrese makes. But you look at him, and I do think that he he can be an all-star this year. Um, you know, he is phenomenal. He's one of the best point guards in the league right now at the stage of the season. And I feel like he should make, make the all-star team if he continues this up. But I would like to see him make better reads at times in a half-court set when they slow things down. Keith, I saw that you uh, posted uh, just within the last hour or so that Nick Nurse spoke uh, to Patrick Beverly's neck injury that he left mm-hmm. the game with yesterday. Uh, what did he have to say? Basically, he, he talked about that Pat had some tightness in his neck. Um, it, it was one of those things where, you know, Pat was uh, – they were they were trying to see if he could return at, at halftime, but he couldn't. You know, it, it's one that, it was just too stiff. It was too much pain. But it's one of those things where they think that if they can treat it, you know, like take the pain away, take the pain, have some pain tolerance, um, it's one of those things that he should be okay. okay. They don't really have a timeline on it. Now, the one thing that makes you believe that it was something that he already experienced, because when I walked in the shoot-around, um, the, the, the masseuse was massaging his neck, you know what I mean, getting some, like, kink out of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming this is an injury that he had before. But it, it just locked up on him in, in the game, and he, it, it, from the looks of it, he probably ran back to the to the locker room to try to get the stiffness out, and he couldn't do it, and they decided just to hold him out. Keith, last one for me. We've mentioned Harden. We've talked about mm-hmm. the effect of not having him on the Sixers. Mm-hmm. What what's your take on his effect so far on the Clippers, and what it's going to be over the course of the season? Man, I think it's rough on the Clippers. I do because when you I, when you look at that trade, and you and you look and you see the things that uh, Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington are doing so far, like providing defense, getting uh, clutch shots, and you look at the Clippers and you see they can't make a stop, but you have James Harden who can score points, but he's not a good defensive player. And they're getting like beat up on by by teams that are scoring at will against them. Mm-hmm. It's a bad, it's a bad move, man. It's a bad deal, and I don't think, and, and I think that James could probably disrupt the whole chemistry because guys are going to look at it. You're like, being too hey, hard on him. Oh, I God. really don't think he has a track record or a history that suggests uh, that. We, could, we can only hope. No, we can only hope. You don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, hold on, because I, I, I got to get in because I need to close with this before we run out of okay. time. Okay. And and I'm you know enjoying. 
Keith Pompey on social media. Check it out all the time. Twitter, Facebook. He's everywhere. He's terrific. Nobody covers the team better. Uh, but somebody, uh, using your account, obviously it wasn't you, somebody hijacked your account and posted, are the Eagles the worst 8-1 and team in NFL history? I'm asking for a friend. Oh, this is on Facebook? It might be. Yeah, yeah, your account you know, there, big fella. Me no habla English. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and nah, and, nah. and I, I appreciate, you know, your own fandom loyalties. You're a professional, so you don't carry it into your basketball work. But, you know, you grew up somewhere, and so you are a, a football fan of which team? Uh, the New York Giants. But, uh, <laughs> but look, here's the thing. Uh huh. Yeah. So on Facebook, if you notice, I'm like the biggest troll ever. Oh uh, yes. So I, make, I make fun of I make fun of the Giants. Yeah. I make fun of the team in DC that no one cares about. Yeah. Sorry, Josh Harris. But like one of those things. So I make fun of everything. So I just always have fun because I know people. Like, I get on certain people's nerves, so I talk trash. Yeah, you know, okay. I just have well, to. I just, I just have to. Tommy DeVito well, I says hello. I, I, did grow up, I did grow up in Philly. So, yeah, I used to catch it growing up. <laughs> Wait, you grew up here? He He's a North Catholic you, alum. How did you become? I grew up in Frankfurt. So, what, huh? so uh, how did you become a New York Giants fan? All right. When I grew up, the Eagles were so be bad story. that they didn't even. No, they didn't come on television. So, they didn't come on TV. So what happens is, because the games were like uh, uh, blacked out. So what happened is, wait was, a second. Were, when were the game? Yeah, what years man. are we talking about? The '80s. They were blacked out often the in the '80s. Uh, yeah, okay, the 80s. I moved here in '86, and there was literally one blackout, which was Ricky Waters' nah. first game. But go on, you nah, go back but, to the so back to the Marion Campbell era, I guess. So, so my 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 family, like the family, they were Steelers fans, right? But yeah. the Steelers were really good. Yeah. Then I had then I knew Cowboys fans. And then there was the Jets. I just didn't like the Jets. So the Giants came on, too. And the Giants had, like, Lawrence Taylor. Like, they were fun to watch. Now, again, I, I, I appreciate they were horrible, too. You took they the horrible. easy way out and went with the team that was winning Super Bowls back then, no, turning no, your back on your hometown. Did I, did I no, characterize that correctly? No, when I first started, they, no, when I first, they were horrible. They had, like, Harry Carson, like the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles, were, they were just as bad as the Eagles. But what it was is you saw them play on TV and right, you watched on. them and you're like this and that. Let me yeah. see if we accept this. Dan Wilson, do you accept this logic? <laughs> well, it's a little Try. different these days than when I like I've never seen the Eagles black out in my entire life, so I can't even like fathom going it, it, to another team. It, honestly, to are, back, you not, are you a non-voting on this issue? No, no, no. It's still bogus. To, okay. to back, we need to vote. To back bogus. Keith up. Right. To back Keith up. Go ahead, Keith. All the Eagles. Sorry. All the Eagles fans who are my age, like I'm 50. Mm. So all the mm. Eagles fans who are my age, they weren't Eagles fans before I went to Pitt. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and then I came back. I went to I go I go to Pitt. Yeah. Then I, I moved down south for like a decade. And then I come back and all my buddies are like, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Uh-huh. I'm like, dog. You are a Cowboys fan. Uh, I, I, I don't know about the, the miscreants with whom you grew up. <laughs> I only know that you grow you, you grew up here, and, and, and it didn't take. I, I will say this, to back Keith up. It's not too late, Keith, by the way. <laughs> He's looking for praise for sticking with the Giants. Yeah, to to back Eagles. Keith up, Eagles games being blacked out in the 80s was not an unusual okay, event. I, it was uh, not. I, that, I still, yeah. uh, Keith, I listen. 
I like you personally. I love your coverage. I find this very lame. That's all I'm saying. No, it's fine. It's fine. Believe me, I catch a lot of flack. I mean, we were at a funeral, and they were like, people were like, you know, I guess to, to feel better, you know, to have fun, make a lighthearted moment. Uh-huh. They're like, Keith, the team is trash. <laughs> like, I know, I know, I know. Well, if you <laughs> wear a Giants jersey to a funeral, you're going to get some flack. Yeah, okay. All uh, right, we yeah. covered it. I appreciate it. Always appreciate your time, uh, and always appreciate your coverage on the Sixers. Just, you know, stay out of the football stadium. I definitely will. All right. All right. Thanks, All right. bud. See you down Thanks, the road. Y'all. Thank you very Bye. much. Keith Pompey. There he's, you go. he's the best. He is the best. And he comes by his Giants fandom, honestly. Can't rip him too much for it. And he's a friend of mine. I can't rip him for it. I, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going no further than yeah. I, I went. <laughs> you know what, Bet? Like, we should have made, like, either as a show or just somewhere on the station. Like, you got Keith, who's a Giants fan, Jody, who's a Jets fan, that the Eagles would win more games than the entire city of New York this year. You know, the city of New York is struggling. I mean, they are, they are they awful. Are hurting. They are bad. The Yankees. Well, re- yeah, let's review. Go ahead. The Yankees went, what, 82 and 80? Yeah, which Mets, for them was like going 55 and 107. Right. I mean, yeah. Brian Cashman was at the GM meetings dropping F bombs yes. during his interviews with the New York media. <laughs> he didn't. Look you know, well, will you no. now resign in shame, right. Brian Cashman? Yeah, okay, keep going. The Mets are terrible. We're terrible. Terrible. Yeah. The Giants are terrible. The Jets are terrible. By the way, the Mets, I think, were favored to win the division. Were the Braves or the Mets? Like, you know, people thought they were going to be good. Steve Cohen was going to buy them a pennant. That's Um, right. Yep. The Rangers and Islanders, eh. The Knicks Knicks are better than they have been. Yeah, they're on the rise. For having a whole bunch of Villanova guys. But they're still really not yet considered a player in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Brooklyn Nets move the needle at all? No. No, Nobody cares about them. Nobody cares about them. So it's it's a rough time up there now. That's darn shame. Yeah. I know your heart's bleeding. <laughs> no, never. I'm trying to think if there's ever a New York team that I understand. I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Buffalo, which is part of New sure. York State, but never felt like New York City. You know, it's like you rooting for Pittsburgh. It's, it doesn't connect in any way. Did I ever root for a New York team? Let me just give me a moment to think. Sure. Clearly not the Jets. They were in the division. Never. Did you root for the Yankees? In, no, no. My dad know, was a Yankee fan because he grew up in New York. After, no, 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 no. No, like no, no, no. I Who'd mean, you grow up with for baseball? Maybe for a week. Pardon me? Who'd you grow up with for baseball? I was a Red Sox fan. and Well, I was a Tiger fan because I played Little League Tigers when I was nine, sure. so that became my team. Um, and then I was a Red Sox fan because I like Yastrzemski. But that was I'm curious team. how people in places like Buffalo picked this. Yeah, you were a free agent back gotcha. then. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's a hard thing, I think, in some respects to be a New York sports fan because you are the big guy in town all the time, right? They, they, they're, but are you if, you, if you choose the lesser team there, are you? I, I've heard that argument, like, oh, if you're, you know, the Miracle Mets of 69, which I, I get, obviously, or the Jets or something like that, but you're still in New York. That's when I rooted for New York. The Jets? When I, no, the Mets. When I was Well, the Jets in the Super Bowl because, again, I was an AFL guy, and so Joe Namath was legitimizing mm-hmm. all of us. Okay. So I rooted for the Jets in that Super Bowl. That was, a, that was like a patriotic AFL mm-hmm. thing. And I rooted for the Mets, those miracle Mets, because they were just so awful all the time, and it's like right. it, was, it was such a great story. Yeah, but I, was, so the last time I rooted for a New York team was, was 1969. Yes, when I was a little <laughs> kid in the 60s. So that may be it. That may be it, and it's hard. It's hard for a New York team to be an underdog, and I think that's part of it. Yeah, there you go. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, and we'll get your calls in. Coming up, by the way, it is what we're watching. Mike has found a documentary that you you really like, correct? Really, really enjoy. And I, ladies and gentlemen, have found the next great British cop show. 
I know that no matter what I talk about and what we're watching, if it's a British cop show, that's what people we, want. We, we have we're a streak going. Give the going. people what they want. We have a streak going of talking about British cop it's shows. My favorite genre. Can't get them enough, and this is a good one. Mike and Glenn on ninety four WIP. All right. Well, we're watching sponsored by Guided Door and Window by Window or Door. Get the second one and a half off. With 18 months interest-free financing, call Guida Door and Window at one eight seven seven go guida or visit go, G-U-I-D-A.com. I'm watching mm-hmm. a British cop show called Bodies. Oh. So, it's, it's a twist. Uh, an incredibly large twist. Ooh. Four London detectives discovered the same murdered body in the same spot decades apart. Whoa. So it starts in 2023, and there's a, there's a woman cop, and she's chasing somebody through an alley, and there's a dead body in there. And so you get a little bit of that. And then it hops back to 1941, and there's a British cop working, I don't want to give too much, but the same body, exact same location. Huh. And then it goes back to 1890, same thing. Uh, and then it pulls an even more audacious leap to 30 years in the future, 2053. This sounds like an X-Files episode. Uh, could be, and it's got a little science fiction to it, and I'm not quite sure. I'm three episodes in, so I'm not quite sure exactly where this twist is going to go. But the thing is, are they all working the same case, or are they not? Hmm. Uh, the show jumps forward and backward in time. You need to pay attention. This is one like you can't be scrolling on your phone, mm-hmm. or it's going to be, wait, what, uh, Judy, what just happened? I missed <laughs> something. What was that? Um, but very well-developed characters as the lead detectives in their era, and they all try to solve their case. Uh, and it's it's there's this eerie scenario, but the show's momentum is terrific, and it it's hard not to binge. Okay, it's like you watch one episode and they kind of leave you with a cliffhanger. It's like let's watch another one. Um, you're immediately pulled into it. Is I read about it. It is adapted from a 2014 novel, same name, Bodies, by somebody named Cy Spencer. Like I'm not a graphic. I don't I don't know graphic novels, but I do know that. I enjoyed shows adapted from graphic novels or movies. Walking Dead, Watchmen, mm-hmm. Road to Perdition was a great yeah. movie. I mean, there's been a lot of good content in TV and movies over the year adapted from graphic novels. So this show, Bodies, as the as the episodes unfold, they start to make connections across time. And there are clues in one case that certainly are relevant to another case. And you're, like, keeping notes in your head because all these threads are leading to mm-hmm. what you hope is going to be this conclusion. Um, really interesting. Very British. Okay. For my friends who like them. <laughs> um, it's, I, it's, it's, it's becoming a little science fiction-y. And again, I don't know how that's going to work. Well, obviously, it's science fiction. You can't have the same guy murdered four times right. <laughs> over, whatever, 190 years. That's sure. not going to work. But it's that. Um and if you look too hard, there might be a couple of plot holes. But as the mystery unfolds, it's it's dramatic, it's intriguing, and each of the four investigations separately is compelling. Bringing them together is good. It's a very good show. It's not a great show. It's not going to be a top ten show uh, for me, my British cop shows. It's You know who, who could have directed this? Uh, are you a Christopher Nolan fan? Sure, yes, okay. very much. It reminds me of Christopher Nolan set out to to direct a British cop show. Okay. Or Twelve Monkeys meets Line of Duty. Right. Um, right. Meets Somewhere in Time, if you remember that movie. Mm-hmm. It's worth a watch. Don't ask too many questions, but it's it's really pretty good. 
and the show is Bodies, and i got to remember what network I'm watching it on because I'm watching it, but I want to tell people where to find it. Hold on, I'll you, find it. Okay, well, no, you talk about your show, uh, and, then, uh, okay. and I'll find it. Yeah, so I watched this week on Netflix uh, a documentary called It Ain't Over about <laughs> one of the great American sports and cultural figures of all time, Yogi Berra. Love him. And what the documentary does, which I think is really cool, is it basically sets out to show and reaffirm who Yogi Berra was as a person and an athlete. The whole premise behind the documentary is that we've got a caricatured view of Yogi Berra as this lovable figure who says these Things, these sayings that have been part of American society forever. It ain't over till it's over. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Uh, hey, you have my favorite one? Yeah, go ahead. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. It's too crowded. Yeah. You know, 90% of this game is half mental, all of these things. And the, the premise of the documentary is that we only remember Yogi Berra for those sayings, and we have forgotten what an incredible baseball player he was and what an important figure to the New York Yankees that mm-hmm. he was. Which the documentary does a terrific job of showing you. But for instance, it opens with an event at the Major League All-Star Game in 2015. And at that event, the f- baseball fans voted on who they considered to be the four greatest living ball players. And Yogi Berra was not among them. Even though Yogi Be- I, um, they were Hank Aaron, Johnny Bench, Sandy Koufax, and I'm forgetting the fourth one. But the point being Willie Mays. Willie Mays. Yeah. Yogi Berra had not, more, not a bad quartet. Not a bad quartet, but Yogi Berra had more MVPs than all of them. He had more World Series victories than all of them. And the center figure of the documentary is Yogi's granddaughter, Lindsay Berra, yeah. who has been a sports writer, yeah. has been involved in the sports world for a long, long time. And it's terrific that they put Lindsay at the center of the documentary because her love for her grandfather kind of shines through. She's the driving force behind this kind of campaign to get him, for instance, the Presidential Medal of Freedom because he was there on D-Day and served during World War II. Uh, and it's just really kind of a, an enlightening and heartwarming look at a figure in American culture and sports that I think a lot of people take for granted. And so definitely recommend It Ain't Over on Netflix. It's about an hour and a half. Knock it out in one night. And if you are a baseball fan or a history fan, it is well worth it. Nice. Uh, well, my sh- uh, show, uh, Bodies, is also on Netflix. Okay. So this is our Netflix week. There we go. All right. So uh, It Ain't Over. It Ain't Over. D- documentary about Yogi Berra. And uh, Bodies, a British cop show with a little sci-fi twist to it on Netflix. Both great shows to watch. There you have it. All right. Let's get some calls in here. Sure. Rick wants to talk about Jalen Hurts. What do you think, Rick? Yeah. Uh, I-, I noticed something this year, and I believe that... Jalen Hurts is now prospering because of his positioning in the pocket. In other words, what I I mean is because of his height, I think that he wasn't able to see over over the offensive line before. So, therefore, he was always running off to his right to try to make something happen. Now he's positioning himself differently in the pocket so he can see the field. Well, I think there's – I think there's something else at play here, Rick. First of all, he's got a bone bruise on his knee. So he's going to have to throw the ball from the pocket more. I think the bone bruise is, in some ways, maybe accelerating a process that had to take place anyway and that Jalen wants to take place, 
which is just him getting better from the pocket. You saw the steps he took last season, how much he'd improved from 2021 to 2022. I think he's even better from there. This season, some of the throws he made against the Cowboys, Glenn, were terrific. That touchdown mm-hmm. pass to Devontae oh, Smith yeah. is as good a throw as you can make at, at it was football's brilliant. highest it was. level. It was brilliant. His his accuracy deep is so much better than He throws a very deep. catchable ball. Yep. Um, so, I don't know about seeing over the line. I think that depends on the quarterback and whether the quarterback can see the field well. It, it, it's not a problem for a guy who knows how to play the position. For instance, it was never a problem for Drew Brees, one of the shortest quarterbacks to play in NFL history. And I don't think that Jalen Hurts – I don't think Jalen Hurts has ever had a problem seeing over the line. Nah, he, and he certainly doesn't now. He's maybe had a couple more balls batted down than your average than your average good quarterback, so to speak. Uh, but I don't think this has been a recurring thing. No. But interesting uh, you know, yeah. interesting idea. Let's get John uh, to talk about the Sixers. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing, guys? All hey, right. John. Uh, so, going into the season, I was kind of a little iffy. And then they lose by one in Milwaukee. You're like, okay, they kind of showed some signs of life. And then I go to the game on Wednesday, and they actually beat Boston. And then they're and they're down early in, against Boston, and then they're down last night early, too, for most of the game. And then they come back and still end up winning these games. Like, you look when on Wednesday, if Doc is still the coach, more I don't want to say most likely, they probably lose that game. Mm-hmm. And then in Detroit, they going down that early, they're down 10, 15 points in Detroit early. They probably don't come back and win that game either. Don't know about that. No, it's, it's, it is the Pistons, it, but I'll, yeah, I'll give you the is, other one. Yeah. I don't think you they beat – I don't know that Doc beats Boston the way – Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Nick it's Nurse like beats Boston. I'll give you that one. Come, them coming down – them being down early and then clawing their way back and is just nice to see. And then even the non-Embiid minutes – for being for being such an issue for years, don't seem to be an issue anymore. Yeah, look, uh, it's so far. It's it's early yet. It's great that they're seven and one, and I think the this is this is the word of twenty twenty three. I think Glenn, the vibe around <laughs> this team is much better just for James Harden not being there. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, and Keith Pompey, we just had on, made a great point about how many guys on the roster. It's not just Tobias Harris. And Kelly Oubre, it's a number of bench players, too, who are all in the last year of their contracts. They're all incentivized to play the way that they have been playing. I think Tyrese Maxey's attitude and style of play lends something to that uh, as well. So it's terrific. Let's see how long it lasts. Uh, I think the trade deadline, as Keith pointed out, is a good benchmark to to get a sense of what the Sixers, and by the Sixers I mean Daryl Morey, really think of their championship chances. Yep. I think that's right. Every, we're, everything now is great. We're playing for April, May, June. Exactly. Bill wants to talk Flyers. Nice. What do you think? Oh, listen, it's a process. I, I've said all along. Uh-oh. I'm a season ticket holder, 28 years. They're going to be about 500. They're going to look good. They're going to look bad. At the end, it's a lottery pick at the end of the year, and you got to hope Gautier and Mikoff come over sooner than later, and we're going to be okay at the end of the I trust Jonesy and Briere. Uh, let me ask you a, a question, kind of not uh, – you, you've been going down to games this year? Yes, I have. Is I it was a, there opening night. I nice. was there against Carolina. So, yeah, I've been there a few. Is the atmosphere any different? It is oh, It is heads and tails over last year. Now, is it a, fill, is it a full building, and, it, and it's got the roar of the, you know, the, the late teens or aughts, whatever you want to call it? No, but it's better. And you could see the – 
people that work for the Flyers, the the season, the, the reps and whatnot, they care more. That's they seem more yep. energized. And yeah, the product's better. They're going to give you effort every night. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm you. I'm really more talking about the fan service that they have yes. made a concerted effort to change the mood in the building. They they can only change the team so much and incrementally, but they've done a lot to change the mood in the building. And you're you're feeling See, that. Yes, the reps are much more attentive, and you know overall it it is a better product. Good. My my other thing that I like that this team is doing is, while they're not killing us with the past, they're reconnecting with members of the past, and and I think it's it's a good olive branch like they did with Lindros a few years ago to bring back Mike Richards, and I like your guys' thoughts on uh, bringing Mike back for the alumni game. I think it's sure. a great thing. I I've kind of wondered. I'm I'm eager to talk to Mike Richards when he comes back, because I've often wondered kind of what happened to him. Like where did he go? He was when he retired from hockey. He was mm-hmm. not around. Uh, and I would be curious because I he's been through some stuff. Had some demons to fight. Yeah, and I'm curious to find out what his life has been like lately. Such a, a player with such promise. Yeah, and I'll never forget the day. Oh. Just a quick, we got to hit a break, but I'll tell you just real quick. So mm-hmm. it's the summer, and mm-hmm. we're doing a show down in Atlantic City. Um, I think Rob Cherry was who I think Rob was with me that day. It's the middle of the week, and I was working with Anthony. He's on vacation, I'm working with Rob Cherry. And it's like one of these, the Phillies weren't very good. Like nothing's going mm-hmm. on. And like there's nothing to talk about. And I think we're doing five hours Oof. of like making it all up. Mm-hmm. I get in my car to come home. Before I like get out of the hotel parking lot, it's like, <laughs> Major breaking news. The Flyers have just said, Keith Richards, wait. And in a separate deal, they've traded Carter. Yeah. And it's like, what the? Wow. Well, <laughs> why couldn't this happen five hours nothing. ago? Right. <laughs> Sometimes it's not about them. It's, it's about, about me. Right. Yes. Entirely. I root for me. I wanted the story. <laughs> 215-592-9494. Coming up at noon, we catch up with... Former Eagle offensive lineman Todd Harriman's very interesting guy. We'll talk to him about the Eagles and about him. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. It is that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafting windows and doors because another long, cold winter season is rolling in. You know what? The great people got it during winter. They're going to help. They're going to make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. So you buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. You buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you save 50% on half the project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guide is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down. Interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guide today. Schedule a free. No obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A. Yeah, and uh, it is not good news as Dallas Goddard uh, is out, is on the IR, has got the arm injury, and we're going to try to sort this out. Dr. Mark Pollard, our friend from Cooper Bone & Joint, is with us now. How are you today, Doc? I'm doing very well, thanks. Hope good. you guys are also doing good. We're doing well, Doc. We're doing, we're doing better than Dallas Goddard. So he's placed on injured reserve. The he, he was expected to have surgery on Monday. We had last Monday. Um, I had not seen any announcement whether he had it or not. I'm assuming he did. Uh, it's a fractured forearm. Now, 
another doctor, uh, Dr. Chow, who is a sports doctor who goes on social media a lot, said looking at the injury, he anticipates that it is a proximal radial fracture in his forearm. The Eagles have not confirmed that, but if we go with that as a possibility, what what do you think? What's uh, How long do we expect him out? How tough to recover? Um, it's really difficult to speculate on it. A lot depends on exactly where the fracture was and whether it affected just one bone in the forearm or both of them. Um, I know that, uh, geez, was it, I think Gronkowski had a uh, forearm fracture a few years ago, and he came back in four to six weeks or something like that with a brace mm-hmm. and all that thing. So it's not beyond the realm of hope that you know he could you know get back before the season's done. Um, again, a lot depends on where the break was and you know how many bones were involved. Can he play through it with a brace, doctor? Is that how this works? Um, that's a little, probably a little bit of a slippery, controversial question. Um, you know, as far as uh, you know, is, you know, is can it be done? Yeah, it could. Is it the right thing to be done? And I guess that's the subject to debate. Um, I know, you know, it's professional sports, and everybody's kind of pushing the envelope uh, to try to move things along as quickly as possible. You know, the, the risk for trying to go back, you know, with with a brace, you know, before the bone has healed all the way is that you know, the fracture is held together with plates and screws. And mm. the whole the whole idea of those plates and screws is to hold the bones together until they actually heal. Yeah. Um, and so if you stress it too much before it heals, you could end up you know, in the same position or worse than you were before. If uh, you uh, kind of pull the, pull the screws and plates out okay. and so forth. So it's a, a calculated risk, I guess. All right. Another injury, which is probably easier to discuss, is Nicobe Dean was diagnosed with a Liz Frank sprain. Uh, we've seen that before with the Eagles. What's the um, – um, that takes them out for the year? Uh, again, it depends on how bad it is. Uh, you know, Liz Frank joint is uh, in between you – know, the – a joint between the small bones uh, just below the ankle. Um, and, you know, these injuries can just be a mild little stretch of the ligaments that hold the bones together versus, you know, actual tearing of the ligaments and uh, fractures requiring surgery and things like that. Um, you know, so, you know, if you're looking for weeks, anywhere between, you know, three weeks and uh, six months. Yeah, well. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Thanks doc- for narrowing it down, Doc. Yeah, okay. we, <laughs> we appreciate it. Dr. Mark Pollard, always a pleasure. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, guys. All right, talk to you soon. Uh, by the way, li- uh, the first guy I knew to have Liz Frank, because I never heard of this injury, mm-hmm. and then Deuce Deuce Staley, yep. And then it seems like it became a very common injury, or they just started calling it something. Uh, that, that had to have been it. They just called it something different before that and then got more specific. And what I remember is when Deuce got it and they wrote about it in the paper that Liz Frank was the name of Napoleon's uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Surgeon, Napoleon's mm-hmm. doctor. Yeah. Army doctor, not mm-hmm. his personal life, but the right. Army doctor. And it's not like Elizabeth Frank. It's Dr. <laughs> Dr. You know, Antoine Liz Frank. Liz Frank. Yes. And, and, and uh, it's, it is so named – because cavalrymen would get it when they got thrown off a horse and their foot stuck in the stirrup. Wow. And that's how the injury got its name. I had no idea. Well, now you, now you know. Thanks for the history lesson. Sure. Great. So, Nicobe Dean was not having a particularly good season, but he is the guy who called the defensive signals to start. Mm-hmm. It's 
I mean, you're losing a guy who may not be that good, but you still got to replace him. Zach Cunningham call the I, signals now? I guess. And he's doing well. He, he had a decent game Sunday. Yeah, he did. And Goddard, man, is bad news. He is – listen, he's one of the best players on the team, and it's a position where they don't have a lot of depth. No, they don't have a lot of depth. And I think what you're going to end up seeing is more passes thrown in the direction of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith maybe running the ball a little bit more. But I think more A.J. and Devontae. I got another name for you. A guy who he's not a traditional tight end, but I think he big body by a guy who can run those routes. Julio Jones? Yeah. Could be. He may be. We, maybe Julio's more than just a, you know, one one catch a game guy. Can more, than, more than a cameo appearance. Yeah, can ahead. certainly catch the ball between the hash marks. The problem is Goddard is so destructive to the opposing defense when he gets the ball. And breaking tackles and the things that they can do with him, it's it's going to hurt to not have him. Was it a dirty play? I didn't think it was. There was scuttlebutt about this in the aftermath of the game that Hall grabbed and twisted his arm in an attempt to hurt him. I just thought he was – that was what he – that was the body part he happened to grab right. to get right. Goddard down to the ground. He was beat on the play, grabbed the arm. He had to twist the arm to get the leverage. I don't think yeah. he meant to hurt him. Yeah, I agree. Carl is with us. Carl, uh, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Hello. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, just, a, just a sidebar, I believe that the injury that affected Andrew Tony's career was not identified by that name, but I think it's the same thing. Maybe. And not Could long be. ago, there was no treatment. Uh, reason for my call, I really like the brand of basketball that the Sixers are playing. Uh, this is no reflection on Harden. Harden is what Harden is. But when the ball would come to him, all movement would stop. Now it's a track meet. And these kids are aggressive, they're exciting, and they're watchable. Uh, last season, I couldn't turn on the TV. And I think the beneficiary of all this is Embiid. He can only has to run between the foul lines now. He doesn't have to go full court because that team is so fast and so far ahead of him. They're almost like a track team, but it's a very in a short season profile. It's a very entertaining brand of ball to date. I hope it lasts, and I hope they pick up another yeah. key player because everybody needs three stars. Well yeah. put. Uh, well, well said, Carl, and you're 100% right about that. They were 27th last year in the NBA in pace, in the number of shots they would get during the course of a game and how fast they play. They're now 12th in the league. They are playing faster. It is a more enjoyable brand of ball to watch, and they're getting – as many or more shots for their key players as they did last year. Tobias Harris is taking like half a shot more a game. T- Tyrese Maxey's taking almost four more shots per game this season than he was last he's season. He's why it's exciting. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he, listen, he was good and he emerged last year, but this is his yeah. chance to ascend to stardom. Yeah, and, and he was not going to get that chance. This is one of the arguments I was making about why they needed to move on from Harden quickly. He was never going to get that chance with Harden kind of holding him back. Yeah. Agreed. 215-592-9494. If you're on hold, stick around. We will get you in. Coming up, we'll get a chance to catch up and talk some Eagles with Todd Harriman, former Eagles uh, lineman, uh, offensive lineman, Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow. 94 WIP. Hey, I had the chance recently to catch up with the great people from Meridian Bank along with one of their business banking customers. Great conversation over a couple beers and you know, over the years, I've met several business owners they work with. Every time, I'm just blown away at how highly these people speak of Meridian Bank and their own relationship 
and I know it. I know the team at Meridian. It's no surprise they are the preferred bank of businesses and entrepreneurs. Meridian itself is entrepreneurial. They know how to listen to great ideas and understand innovative thinking. Learn how Meridian Bank can help your business succeed at meridianbanker.com. Well, I I think that's some pretty profound analysis. Well, it's very Yogi Berra-like. We were talking about that documentary earlier in the show, and I don't think there's a higher compliment to be paid than to be compared to the wisdom of Yogi Berra. There you go. And that is uh, Todd Harriman's and Trey Thomas uh, on their show, Between the Vines, that they do. And Todd Harriman is nice enough to join us now. How are you, Todd? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I didn't think anybody was listening to it. Well, I got to tell you, I found it, and I, you know, the concept of a show where two guys sit around and drink and talk about stuff. Very familiar and very appealing, Todd. (laughs) You have to understand, I have a TV show. Uh, You have no reason to know this, but I have a TV show. Actually, you could watch it tonight at 11 on NBC Sports Philadelphia called What's Brewing where we sit around and drink beer and talk about the same stupid stuff that you talk about. Yeah, I know you do, Glenn. Oh, I'm, a, okay. I'm, a, I'm also a big craft beer fan, so I've been waiting for my invite. On oh, really? Show, wow. So. Oh, we can make that, that happen. There, there was an undercurrent of why haven't you called me to be on oh, the show we, there. Uh, you know what? Where do you live? I'll make that happen. We'll do it. I'm on Westchester. Okay. We'll get we'll, – we'll, oh, Todd? Todd, you spend a lot of time at Levante Brewing? I, I I do enjoy Levante Brewing. Okay, we're going to make this happen. Uh, you're a very flexible guy. You enjoy wine and beer. You cover all the basic yeah. food groups. I like it. So it's, let's look you're at never without a drink that way. There, absolutely. <laughs> let's look at the Eagles at the bye, and there's the question of: Are they good, or are they lucky, or are they both? Well, I think you know the preferable answer there is, is a little bit of everything. Um, you know. They're they're good. They we, we've seen that they've got playmakers. They've got guys that can go out and change the game on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I think that I think Coach Sirianni has a, a good reel on the team. Uh, you know, I think that they all uh, have a lot of confidence. The players have a lot of confidence in the coaches, the coaching staff. I think the coaching staff has a lot of confidence in the players. So I think that you know you find that on good teams. Um, and it's not a bad thing to be lucky unless you luck yourself into a situation where you don't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, as long as they're getting by, uh, you can call some of these wins lucky if you want. Um, I, I remember a saying that always kind of struck to me is uh, something like luck is just um, proper preparation, uh, finding circumstance, you know? So, um I don't think being lucky is a bad thing. And especially if, if you're a good team that gets lucky, you're not going to find yourself anywhere that you don't belong. Todd, they've struggled a little bit over the last few weeks to run the ball. We all know it's something that the Eagles mostly do out of necessity as opposed to wanting to run the ball. They've been that way for the better part of two decades. He was there. He was there. You were there. You know. Yep. Um, from what you've seen, is this anything to be concerned about? Uh, is there anything that your trained eye is picking up as to why the running game hasn't worked as well lately? Well, I just think that the running game's something that sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, but the key to it is consistency. You're not going to, you know, just splash in a run play once or twice here and be like, well, not working. Like you have to be consistent each game with how, how often and how many times you're attempting to run to actually see, you know, what your results are. I think that um, what we're seeing now is 
you know, the first couple, first few games, they had quite a bit of success. Now you're seeing those linebackers come downhill and kind of take away the lanes. So you're seeing a lot of the inside zones um, are getting stopped, like short of the line, and then they're trying to bounce it because, you know, all the gaps in there are just kind of plugged rather than letting the the uh, linebackers flow over the top and having all those big cutback holes. Um, so I think, you know, but that opens up other things, and I think a smart coaching staff can take advantage of that. And I think you've seen um, – you know, Goddard has kind of come on the last few weeks as well. When we've seen those guys playing downhill uh, so hard, it opens up, you know, play action underneath stuff uh, quite a bit more. So, you know, the run game's tricky. Uh, I, I think that they're a good running team. I think that, you know, the offensive line is, is strong and, and dominant. Um, you know, I, I just think it's something we got to stick with and not try to, you know, pick a side on whether they're good or bad at it. Amen. Stick with it. So, Speaking of the offensive line, you played here through 2014, I believe, right? Yeah. Okay. Which means you played four years with Jason Kelsey? Yep. Uh, he's still doing it, and he still seems yeah. great at it. And I just kind of – I know. I just kind of want your sense of how this guy just doesn't seem to age. Well, um <laughs> He's definitely aging. Um, <laughs> his, his game doesn't seem to be aging as much as he is as a person. Fair point, um, yeah. I, I think that what you're seeing is is some effects of, you know, uh, coaching staff being player-friendly. Um, you know, from what I understand, they're really taking care of, like, you know, Jason and Fletch, and they're not making them go out there and grind during the week. And, you know, that's transitioning and translating to, like, really good performance on Sundays and you know it's that's a tricky thing for coaches to deal with because you know you can't give young superstar players that kind of flexibility unless they're you know mentally mature to handle it um and I know that when Jason's taking time off he's basically standing in the back and coaching and running through all the reps in his head mm -hmm. and different mm -hmm. scenarios and, and what if this happens or what if that happens. And, you know, he's at that level now. I don't know. What year is this, 13 or 14 for him, something like that? Yeah, I believe it's uh, 13. Yeah, I think that at this point the mental reps are probably more important for him on a week during the week than the actual physical reps because, you know, you watch how he plays. He, he puts his body out there. He's – He's not holding anything back. So that definitely takes a, a toll on him from week to week. And I think that it's really uh, benefiting him having coaching staff that understands that and that helps him to be able to recover during the week. We're talking to Todd Harriman's former Eagles offensive lineman, current wine connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Todd, I want to kind of piggyback on what you just said about Kelsey and the adjustments that the Eagles and their coaching staff seem to have made over time dialing it back during the week so that he's fresher on Sundays and, and to play in games. Have there been other aspects of football, whether you're talking about training or strategy, that you've seen uh, since you've been retired? You know, are, Where are things markedly different or even a little bit different than they were when you were playing? Yeah, wow. I mean, there's so many changes. But, you know. I Anything like that jumps out I, to you. Yeah, I mean, when I was playing, I'm sure that there was older players that are like, oh, it's such a soft league now, you know what I mean? And it's kind of the evolution of the sport is yeah. your your players are becoming more dangerous, and so you have to find a way to, like, 
not throttle back your player's evolution, but also protect your players at the same time. So, like, guys are so much bigger, faster, stronger now than they were when I played. Um, so you see some different rules come in. I mean, like, the targeting and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. if I played if I played DB right now, I'd be scared to try to make a tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, or go up and, and try to knock the ball down or anything like that. It just seems so... It just seems so touchy, the calls out there right now. And I think that's probably the most glaring thing that I see. Um, yeah. Also, Good point. you know, just also the uh, all, all of the uh, hilarity that's ensued from just the quarterback sneak right. run well. You know, that's kind of weird that there's people complaining about not running a sneak. Well, we Amen. got we so, to discuss Tush Bush yeah, with you yeah. and, and your view on it and, and whether you would have enjoyed being part of it. Well... <laughs> I actually love the play. I don't necessarily think that I would want to be part of it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> QB sneaks were like one of those things that like when they call it, yeah, it's all on your shoulders and, you know, you're putting yourself in a very uh, uh, injury-prone position down there. Um, but then when they don't call it, you're like, why the hell didn't we just run behind us? Why didn't we just sneak it? <laughs> sure. You know, so it's kind of for a coach, it's like darned if you do, darned if you don't type of thing. Um the thing that I love about it is literally, you know, I know that it's like one of Jason's things that he went and was like, it's the most efficient play in football. Why don't we run it every time, you know? Mm. And then listening to that perspective and then just seeing Sirianni do it. It's like he trusts his players. You know, he trusts the veteran leadership. He trusts not just the leadership, but like the football knowledge of, of his players and stuff like that. So, no, I don't think I would have liked to run it. Might have might have shortened up my career, especially as much as they run it. And I'm sure there's times that they call it, and like some of the guys up front are just like, oh, here we go again. You so know, but. Th- that's interesting, Todd. Do you think that that's something Sirianni and Brian Johnson have to take into consideration in calling it? Do they have to say, you know what, maybe we're running this too much because it, and it's taking too much of a toll on the guys along the offensive line? I, I, re- I don't think so. Okay. I mean, because – you only really get the the regret if you don't get it and stuff like that about punishing your body and their conversion rate right now is crazy and all the attention it's getting it's almost like there's a sense of pride that comes along with it at this point and being so dominant at it that they're probably craving it to be called every time there's a situation so that they just keep the uh you know keep the legend growing so, Todd, as I was watching uh, Between the Vines with you and Trey Thomas, as you were, <laughs> as you were enjoying a uh, Gewürztraminer Schwarzenkeller Spatlis, uh, 2005. Nice. Yeah, there you go. Um, that was a mouthful. There you go. Uh, and it was for both of them. You gave a really interesting explanation as to why Hassan Reddick is such an effective pass rusher. We know he's good, but you kind of described exactly what it is that makes him so good. So I don't know if you have the the wine with you, but I'd love you to repeat kind of the theory. All right. So uh, what makes Hassan Reddick so good Mm -hmm. is just what it seems like. It seems like he's just very fluid and not – and is is this what I said? You know, I was drinking wine when I said this, but it's just (laughs) that he's so fluid and able to react and is not – his moves don't seem premeditated to me. Is that kind of along the lines? Yeah, of it's kind of, and you and you said like he doesn't he doesn't hesitate, he doesn't he doesn't chop. He, I mean, you were yeah. discussing how how for a big guy, not even that big, but just how how I guess fluid was really kind of yeah. The he just he's very yeah. smooth with his rush, and yeah. like you don't see a lot of indecision with his rush. Um, 
you know, a lot of times if a D end is, is taking his path and the tackle gets a good set and gets to the spot before he expects him to, you kind of see him, his brain adjust and his feet chop a lot of times when their brain is adjusting or something to think about what to do next. And you don't really see that a lot with Hassan Reddick. He's just, he's very fluid. Um, it seems like he knows what his number two and number three are, or his counters are ahead of time before the ball's even snapped. So I, I think that that has kind of been playing into the success he's having. We've been talking a lot about the offensive line, Todd. Um, when you watch them play, what is what is the residue, what is the sign that this is a Jeff Stoutland-coached offensive line? I mean, he is regarded as the best in the business of what he does, of coaching up at that position. What is it that makes him that good? Well, I think one of the things that jumps out to me is um, it, it just looks like all the guys out there that are on the field have an understanding of the play and not just the assignment, um, you know, which goes into a, a lot of film room work, a lot of different scenarios and not just touching on each scenario that could happen once, but repping each scenario so that, you know, there's no brain farts or anything when you're on the field or, Oh, this is supposed to happen here. Um, you know, that, that, that shows a lot of, of what's going on in the meeting rooms and stuff, but also the, the skill work that they do. I think one of the characteristics of the, uh, Stoutland's offensive line coaching is their combo blocks. I mean, these guys run combo blocks so well um, that I think that's one of the reasons you're seeing these uh, linebackers just shoot straight downhill um, because if they wait and try to read the play out, they're going to just get washed up in these combo blocks mm-hmm. and we're going to gash it. So I think, you know, that's one of the things that stands out to me. Uh, he's got some monsters out there, some real strong guys, and they're just rolling people off the ball when they get a chance to. If those linebackers are going to stay at depth and try to read the play, then they're going to be in trouble. Last one for me, Todd. Uh, again, I was really enjoying watching Between the Vines with you and Trey. And uh, I didn't know this. You talked about – you were talking about wide receivers and just you know how amazing you find the ability of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, to run full speed and catch a ball. And that the – back when you played, the offensive lineman on Friday had a little little game that you played, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pat and go. Yeah, explain what that was. Well, so, like, uh, we would go on opposite ends of the field, so each sideline in the end zone. And uh, we'd have one line on the goal line and one line on the back of the end zone, at, you know, kind of caddy corner end zone. And you'd have somebody that was playing quarterback to just toss the ball up, and us offensive linemen would tell them what route we wanted to run, and then they'd put it on the number for us. And, uh, you know, of course, we always want to run a wheel route or a go or a post <laughs> or something like that because – we don't get to stride it out very often. Um, and it was just a lot of fun, something to switch it up. And, you know, you got to see some of the athleticism of these big guys in those moments. And, you know, I've never really tried to run full speed and track a ball in the air uh, until we were doing that. And, um, man, that ball can move if you're not running light on your feet. So <laughs> that was kind of eye-opening to me and, you know, just kind of made me appreciate each of those skinny guys or, you know, very muscular guys out there running top speed and still just making it so easy, look so easy to catch a ball. Yeah, you describe what I think uh, you, you guys are elite athletes, but what an average Joe would discover when you're running full speed is your head's bobbing, bobbing up and down, up, yeah. and you're trying to follow the ball. It's, yeah, it's, it's a little tough. Yep. Anyway, listen, 
it's it's great to talk to you. Uh, people should absolutely. You guys do that weekly. Yeah, we've been doing it weekly. We're I think we're going to change it up and do a little Zoom uh, Zoom episode this week for the buy because um, we're not actually in the same location as each other, but okay. we think okay. it's a lot of fun just talking shop. We'll probably give some bye week stories or something like that from the past. And yeah, every week uh, we're trying to get it out on Tuesdays. Um, check it, check it out. It's between the vines on, uh, on YouTube. Actually, one more question uh, because the Eagles are playing Kansas city next week. Both teams are coming off the bye. Why was Andy always so good off the bye? Any idea? I don't know. You know, that's. I think that what you see is uh, a lot of people think the bye is an off week. And I, I think that what Andy does, he just treats it as an extra week of preparation for the next game. Um, guys, can you not scream? Sorry, my kids are <laughs> That's all right. The kids are there. Been there, man. Um, Been there. We'll let you go. Yeah. We'll let you okay. go. Hey, uh, I just think, I think it's the extra preparation uh, after the bye. And, you know, um, he probably figures, if you look at it this way, like, if I have two weeks to prepare, I better, I better sure, you know, show a solid product. And, you know, it, it's shown that. So hopefully, hopefully not this time. Hopefully not this time. Todd, it's a pleasure. We will uh, find a time to uh, get you on the beer show as well. You can multitask awesome. the beer, the wine, the whole thing. <laughs> awesome. Hey, I thanks, appreciate it. Thanks for being our guest. Thanks, Todd. No problem, guys. Take care. I will talk you to you too. again. I love talking to offensive linemen. Always the best. Always the best. They're the smartest guys in the room. Always. Uh, they are underrated for their athleticism because you watch what they do in the field, and it, to be close to it, if you're at training camp or something like that, it takes your breath away what they are putting their bodies through. Yeah. It's just it's remarkable. But they also know everything that's going on with the offense. Yep. And his point about Statland coaching his linemen that way to know not just what the individual – tackle or guard or center is supposed to be doing but what is supposed to be happening throughout the entire play he's a hundred percent on about that and it's a big reason why Statlin's as good as he is yeah good guy very likable guy liked him as a player yep uh was a judge at one or two of the food challenges back in the day oh there you go yeah really good guy anyway all right 215-592-9494 we got some things that we want to cover before we get out of here but we'd love you to just call about any of the things we've been talking about today in terms of the Eagles, in terms of the 76ers, we opened up with the Phillies offseason. We talked to you about some shows we're watching. So anything that's on your mind, this is the time to get in at 215-592-9494. With Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94WIP. All right, let's get a call or two in here, and then we'll make some brilliant points. Sounds uh, good. Rick is with us. What's on your mind, Rick? Gentlemen, yeah, just two things. Um, I'm thrilled with the 8-1. and one. And we are what we are, and I think it's all great for all the positives. But two things I wanted to bring up. So when you have the ball in the last three minutes of the game, twice, and you can't run the clock out with arguably the best offensive line in football and all those weapons they have, even minus Dallas Goddard, you've got to hold that ball for three minutes. But they gave up the ball twice. That's not my biggest problem. My biggest problem is Sirianni, when they scored that touchdown, when A.J. Brown scored a touchdown, the first Washington game, and he said, I'm never going to ever ever make excuses for scoring a touchdown. Yeah, they could have lost the game. They didn't. But three weeks later or two weeks later, they played Washington in the same situation. They went up 14 points, but they can't stop this offense because we are what we are defensively in a secondary. 
if Devontae Smith does not get that onside kick, that could have been another game-tying or losing lead. I just want to know why no one ever asked Sirianni two weeks later, didn't you learn anything? I mean, look, they were up two touchdowns at the time. You know, they go up two touchdowns against Washington. There have been moments this year where I do feel like, Rick, that they've been a little ragged in some of their in-game decision-making. The the A.J. Brown touchdown in the first Washington game that you referenced being one of those. I mean, yeah, you don't want to apologize for scoring a touchdown, but, you know, this gets to the argument that every coaching staff should have somebody on the sideline who is telling the coach all the time, here's here's how this ought to play out. Here, You know, we have enough timeouts left. They don't have enough timeouts left. We can run the clock down, kick a field goal, and assure ourselves of a victory. Uh, I do feel a little bit like there's been some some leakage. There. I didn't understand. What was it, third down and four against Dallas right at the Throwing end? Throwing the ball throw, deep. Like, what, what the heck was that? Yeah. yeah. What was that? You're trying to run out the clock. and you like yeah. Again, if it works, he's probably a genius. But All right. I want to get to a couple of things here uh, off of the Dallas game uh, and off of the tush push, which never grows old. No, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't. The, during the game, the Dallas – and by the way, Nick Pacone is a local guy who is great on Twitter at following other teams' radio and TV feeds. Yes. So I'll give him credit for being the guy who first unearthed this. Um, Brad Sham and Babe Laufenberg are the Cowboys' radio broadcasters. Laufenberg, for the co- former quarterback. You're going to hear Sham here first and then Laufenberg. Laufenberg is really the guy to focus on mm-hmm. here. All right, so Laufenberg later said, oh, come on, I was joking and being sarcastic. He doesn't sound like it in that moment at all. No, the only sarcastic guy who goes like, well, they don't do this enough, do they? After that, I think he entirely meant everything he said. Yeah, I do too. And it's the same complaint that everybody makes about the tush push, which is it's not a football play, which is, to me— there's no merit to that at all. I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's the same complaint people had when players started dunking the ball in basketball. Oh, it's not a basketball play. Why? Yeah. Because not everybody can do the, it? The only argument that I could see against it is, oh, it's a high injury play, except it's not. It's not. If you do it right, it's not. No. No. And, and you, you wrote something interesting about kind of look back at, you know. Right. So I – and this is in my Sunday column. It's online now in the Inquirer, and it'll be in the paper tomorrow. I went back and looked at – I was curious about why the Eagles started using the tush push. And I went back to week two of the 2021 season. You may not remember this game, Glenn. Some of our listeners might. The Eagles played at home against the 49ers. Mm -hmm. And they were up 3-0 in the second quarter and had first and goal at the one. Mm Mm-hmm. And they ran four plays that didn't get in in the end zone. And they didn't run a quarterback sneak of any kind. They had Jalen Hurts roll out and try to throw to Zach Ertz, who was still on the team at the time. They handed the ball to Miles Sanders. He lost a bunch of yardage. Hurts scrambled out of the shotgun. And then they tried like a diet Philly special where they handed the ball to Devontae Smith and he pitched it to Greg Ward. And Greg Ward oh, tried uh, to throw oh, it to Jalen that. Hurts. Oh, yeah, sure. And it, none of it worked. Yeah. And it just made me think, like, I wonder if that sequence got the Eagles saying to themselves, we've got to come up with something 
that works in these situations because they were so desperate and so bad at trying to get the ball in from the one-yard line against a good defense that I wonder if that was some of the impetus for, for trying and using the tush push. Maybe, maybe. Keith is with us. With us. Keith, you here? You here? Yeah, I'm here, man. All right. All right. We got a little hey, bit so of a reverb. Is that better, man? We'll try. Go ahead. All right. So just want to say, Nicobe Dean going down could be one of the best things to happen to this Eagles D. Just, just because everybody really gets behind something sad, and that kid's, you know, he's been speaking to the whole D, and then now he's out, and it's all his teammates. I see big, great things for these guys. Go shut down. That Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, I have no idea how one connects to the other. I, I, I have no I idea the either. They're going to be there. inspired by not having the Kobe I, Dean. I don't know. I get hurt every week. I don't. I don't see that as a thing. Anyway, that was. That was not good. Let's try Mike. Mike, uh, you want to talk some Phils? Uh, I want to talk some Phils, but, you know, last week I said that I believed that Jerry Jones and the Cowboys were behind the campaign to get rid of the tush push, and I had no evidence. Well, you just played the evidence. There you go. <laughs> That's Exhibit right, Mike. Forgot about your call. That's there right. There you go. Thank you, thank you. Now, last week on the same call, I thought we tabled Phillies baseball for the time being, but Glenn, you brought it up. <laughs> sure. So I, I had to call and talk about it. And I agree that with everything you guys said about the, the four uh, different um, possible personnel moves. I, you know, I, I agree with all of that. The one thing that I want to talk about, though, is that when the other team looks at our lineup and decides they're going to pitch around Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper, Trey Turner has to get on base. If if Kyle walks and Turner makes an out, and now you got Kyle Schwarber on base and Bryce Harper, and then they'll pitch around him. If Turner gets on base, they're going to pitch around Bryce Harper with two guys on and Bohm and Stott and Real Muto coming up. Hold on, it I just, changes I, the way I, the game so, is played. So what? What? What do you want? You want Schwarber out of the, the leadoff spot? No, 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 no. I want. Uh, I want. Trey Turner to stop swinging for the fences if they're going to walk Kyle Schw- uh, Kyle Schwarber. Well, right. I mean, get well, on base, please. Okay, hold on. I I got to hold you on for one second because sure. I just want to check. He did not do well in the NLCS, but he was four for seven against the Marlins and eight for seventeen yep. against the Braves. And that proves my point. If he had just continued to bat that way instead of swinging for the fences against. The Diamondbacks, uh, you know, who knows what would have happened. Well, okay. I mean, he hit 350 in the postseason. I can't, I can't rip him too much because he got cold when everybody got cold. Yeah. He, look, they they started leaving the strike zone more against the Diamondbacks than they had against the Braves and the Marlins. And Turner and Castellanos were at the top of that list. But it was happening throughout the lineup. And one thing I don't believe in, Glenn, and I've heard this from people since the Phillies lost, not that we want to replay the whole thing, but, you know, why didn't Trey Turner hit the ball to the right side of the infield or bunt or something like that? Trey Turner is one of the ten best players in baseball. I don't want to take the bat out of his hands. I don't mm. want him going up there saying, well, i got to hit a ground ball to second yeah, base no. or i got to lay down a bunt. Yeah, no, no. You go up having them swing to try to get a hit. I give a lot of credit to Arizona, their pitching coach and so on, because they, they just realized, like, these guys are they're going to swing. Yep. And so they stopped throwing strikes those last two games, and that kid, fat, fat, killed him twice. Yeah, the Christopher Walken kid, a fat. You yeah. know, it was great. <laughs> that one really hurt. All right, you want to do the Kelsey thing? Yeah, let's do the Kelsey thing. All right, so Jason Kelsey, who again is 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 everything, including the, the finalist for the 
world's sexiest man. Sexiest man of the year, People God, Magazine. What, what a life he's having, huh? And his brother. Uh, People, I'm right here. It's, Hello, it, where was my call? It is It is the, the year of Kelsey. Not the year of Sealski. I should have been on that list. Okay. <laughs> Are faces for radio eligible? Yeah. Yeah. Does your wife want to weigh in on this? No, I'm, 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 waiting, for the, I'm waiting for the call to come in on my cell phone. Okay. Anyway, um, he also was on Thursday Night Football this week in, in the booth. Yes, he was. Which was good. And uh, just one thing, because we talked about this earlier. Um, I watched like 15 minutes of that game, and I, I was lucky because I didn't know he was coming on, but I watched mm-hmm. part of the part that he was on. It was a dismal game. I mean, the Bears Awful. and the Panthers. Awful like, game. That's not good. But you and Dan Wilson and I all agreed that we largely don't watch Thursday night football because why? You can't flip to something else. You can't change the channel. It's the old Jerry Seinfeld line. Men don't watch what's on TV. They look for what else is on TV. Yes, we graze. Yes. We do. And I am incapable of watching. Men hunt women nests. That's, <laughs> yes. exactly, that's right. That's Yes, and we're looking for, okay, what's on here? What's on here? And there's downtime, so I want to look. Commercials. I want to go see what else is on. And when you're streaming, you I can't. mean, there may be some people who have the ability to do this, but apparently none of the three of us are. No. You're stuck. Yep. And I don't want to be stuck with watching a bad football game. I want to go check and go back and forth. Yeah. I don't know if it's hurting the ratings overall, but we are men. And this is how we feel. But, are we not men? We are Devo. But Jason Kelsey was on, and it's always entertaining. And you remember the moment against Dallas where there's a big pile up, and he gets up, and it looked like the guy on Dallas kind of stepped on mm-hmm. him, whatever. He was asked, what did you say and what happened? And this is uh, Jason Kelsey on Thursday night. So the camera caught him doing yeah, that, yes. and we all wondered, what was he doing? He and was apparently a... auditioning to be the Joker in the next <laughs> Dark Knight movie. Yeah, so there it was. He's going to have a career in the public eye, whether in TV or podcasting, in any kind of way he wants. Yeah. He's smart. He's got that personality. Yep. He's down to earth. And he looks like every man. Yep. He's not a male model, although, again, sexiest man in the world, but... He's a very why, identifi- why need to bring up such a sore subject. I'm uh, sorry. He's just a very identifiable kind yes, of guy that you could hang out with. I think he's gonna. He's too. If this sounds crazy, too good and too big to just be an in-game an- analyst. It's. I would think it's limiting for him. Well, I th- as I said, I think he can do whatever he wants to do. Does he want to be a pregame show guy, like someone in one of the networks? Who sits at the desk? Yeah, I'd rather hear him there than I think during than being the game. like the next Troy Aikman or the next John Madden or something. I think like that. so. I think so. I, I'm not sure. I hope he doesn't do him like and it. Travis are going to be hosting like oh yeah the Manning Cast Part Two. Oh yeah, is what it'll turn into or Maybe. the or the Oscars or like no, the, no like literally <laughs> like someone they're going someone's going to give him a morning. show. I would watch them. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I anyone would. would. 
Yeah, I hope he just says, like, not some stupid reality competition show. You don't like, want to see him Dancing I, with the Stars? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't want to see him doing that stuff. We're going to have to talk to him because we've spent now 10 minutes planning out his post-football Yeah, I'm sure he's really interested in that. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure he's loving that. You know. That documentary was the highest rated sports documentary of all time? Yes. Something like that? Yeah, the most streamed documentary on Amazon at least. Maybe, I, I haven't looked at it compared to other stuff on Netflix. And it featured and WIP. How about that? All over the place. All over all the place. All over. Yeah. Joe Wechter eating More a, a people donut. saw Joe Wechter stuff food in his mouth than any <laughs> other documentary <laughs> ever. Joe has worked at this station for decades. And it'll be remembered like, for that. He gets his else. moment on TV, and he's stuffing a donut or a, a bagel in that, his that, face. That yeah. WIP and the owners of the Ocean Drive just oh, yeah. are going to ride Jason Kelsey to yeah. popularity yeah. and riches. And why not? 215-592-9494. We can get you in uh, before we get out of here and go go Birds Radio with James and Elliot. Is that correct? correct. Live from Parks. There you go. Uh, and we'll find out what we forgot to talk about with Dan Wilson as well. Mike Sealski, the world's sexiest man, apparently. Thank Mike you. Sealski, or, you know. Hashtag recognize. Uh, and Glenn Mack now. I'll find out later. I'll, I'll ask around and see if, uh, if where, where I end up ranking on that. <laughs> I think a verbal hashtag is enough reason to get pulled off the list, by the way. <laughs> yes. I think you, can't, ha- you can't verbally hashtag recognize yourself. I just and this, did. And this, is not, this is not one for which you nominate yourself. That's also correct. Ask, ask anyone who covered the New York Jets in 2012 about how sexy I am. If you were there, you know. Okay, I think we're going to take a break. We'll take the word for it. <laughs> uh, I'm Glenn Mack now. It's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors before that cold, long winter season rolls in. You know what? The great people at Guided Door and Window will make your door and window replacement project more affordable. With their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. So, if you buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. You buy a patio door. You get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guide is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down, interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guide today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. we got a couple minutes here before we, do. we uh, go over to find out what we forgot to talk about, Dan Wilson. Um, and I'm on tomorrow with Jody from 10 to 1, and, and Jody and I are going to talk a lot of football. But do you feel, and I know I'm bringing this up at the end of the show, and it's really something for a longer debate, that for whatever reason the NFL package is less entertaining this year than it has been? Yes. Okay. I do, too, which is why I brought it up and which is why I plan to talk about it a lot tomorrow. Why? I think we are in a sort of dead spot in strategy and quarterbacking in the league. I think we got spoiled for a long time by Brady and Manning and Rodgers and that – the league is transitioning a little bit. Mm. And so there's some 
teams trying to find themselves. There's quarterbacks who haven't quite turned out to be as great as they got hyped up to well, be. Allen in Buffalo. Allen in Buffalo. Justin Herbert in, in with the Chargers. Yeah. Burrow's been hurt, so the, they, they're looking good, but yes. Scoring is down throughout the league. Scoring is down, but I think that relates to your first point, which I think you made really well, which is it's always an action evokes a reaction, right? So offenses will come up with something, and then defenses will figure out how to do it, and mm-hmm. I think Scoring is way down this year, as you said, and I think it's because defense have kind of figured out, so now what's the next move for offense? Right. I've been saying for a while, Glenn, that I wonder if there's ever going to be a return of the running game. And I doubt that there will be because quarterbacks make so much money and teams have so much invested in them, and quarterbacks are the faces of their franchises that owners are going to be reluctant to say, hey, you know what, let's emphasize the running game more. But... I do wonder if the sport is shifting in a way where defenses are getting smaller and faster, and so therefore the best thing for a team to do to win a game would be to just bowl them over with a run game. You can see the Eagles haven't done that as well this year, but they have done it last year and the year before about like that. The big Brandon Jacobs, Ironhead, Hayward. Kind of, I love those guys. I and know. They, I, kind I, of I like them too. From the game, yeah, they have, and and I don't know that you'll ever get back to that because. Running backs don't last Pittsburgh as long. Pittsburgh Steelers football, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just mean an offensive line that can just bowl teams over. Yeah, um, I don't think we're going. I don't Bettis. think we're going to see that. But yeah. I'd be curious if a team can win a Super Bowl doing that. I also think that I mean you have quarterback injuries every year, but this this year I read this this morning. There are ten rookie quarterbacks who have started games this year, the most rookie starters any year since 1950. And it's only week 10. Yeah, exactly. That's that's part of what we're talking about. And you have injured starters. You have rookie starters. You have backups who aren't particularly good. You have an awful lot of teams who have quarterbacks who make an awful lot of mistakes. Uh, and so what you're seeing is not quite the quality of play that we're accustomed to seeing from the NFL when you have these mainstays who have been so good for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you have Mahomes, who's awesome. You know, Jalen Hurts has emerged as a terrific quarterback. Yeah. Um, but there aren't that many of those guys. There's Breeze, Brady, Manning, Roger. Well, Rogers is, is technically, but he didn't play this year. Right. So yeah, I hear you. Meanwhile, here's people who have started games this year. You could you could walk down any street in the country and ask people who these people are, and nobody knows, okay? Tommy DeVito, who was very good in a good fellow. <laughs> Tyson Bagent? Bagent? Yeah. Aiden O'Connell, Clayton Toon, and Jaron Hall. Damn. Yeah. That tells you kind of what you need to know. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I guess that's part of it. And, and again, every year is kind of different. So, all right. Tommy DeVito, who had negative one passing yards in a game. I, I mean, the three of us collectively all had more passing yards yeah. than he did in an NFL game. Yeah, and he's going to be their guy because they've lost They've lost Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. So Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. So. I mean, Zach Wilson is starting games for the Jets. Again. I think tomorrow might be his day. Could be. Did his day to lose the job? No, no, I think tomorrow he might actually be good. Oh, who they play tomorrow? Uh, who they play tomorrow. I knew who they played tomorrow. i got to remember who they play tomorrow. But I looked and I said, they're going to win this game tomorrow. He's going to get some yards. Hold on, I'm going to find it. They, because I wrote myself a note tomorrow, like, uh, the Raiders. Oh, And yeah. the Raiders coming off that big emotional yep. win after they got rid of the coach. And they got, they and threw I, a party for, like, for the whole thing. I know, and I, I, I don't begrudge him for that. You know, you're that bad. They, they hated the coach. They got rid of him. They brought in Pierce, who they like. 
I think that I think I'm, uh, again I'm not a betting man these days, mm-hmm. but I like the Jets in that game a lot. All right, what did we forget to talk about, Dan Wilson? Yeah, so a few things. Number one, we'll start with the Clippers Mavericks game last night, and another NBA in season tournament game. Uh, first of all, uh, <laughs> the court wasn't that you see all these new courts that they're rolling out. Uh, the Mavericks had to use the regular court because there was a malfunctioning or a, a manufacturing issue uh, with their new court, whatever. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. You, you get so you excited just, just, about the tournament. Yeah, I know. You, you really feel job. for the fans of Dallas that they had to use the regular court for a tournament game. <laughs> um, I'm but, gonna, you, is that your last thing on the tournament? Because I got one thing I want to say. No, well, I, I got one quick thing. Okay. Uh, so I was going to say James Harden made his NBA in-season tournament debut. Now, I personally predicted he was going to go for like 60 points last night because – what are two things that James Harden loves most? More money and extra time in Vegas. That's the that's the mm-hmm. prize here. So I thought he was going to go out. Uh, they did not win. They lost. Their Clippers are now 0-3 with James Harden, uh, which cro- caused this phenomenal rant uh, from Brian Damaris. Brian Damaris uh, on the Mavericks TV postgame show. Ask the producer to pipe this into the Clippers locker room <laughs> so I can talk to you, James. I hope you're taking notes. I'm telling you in advance, you're welcome for the wisdom I'm about to spew. Because, listen, I get on my knees every night and pray for someone to believe in me like Daryl Borey believed in you. You wanted a certain coach, they brought in Mike D'Antoni. You want to play a certain style, they played it. You wanted Dwight Howard, they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him. You wanted Chris Paul, they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him. They brought in your old friend Russell Westbrook. You want to go to Vegas on off days? They looked away. You wanted the team to stay over so you could go out at night? They changed the schedule, and it didn't work. And you know what? You said... I'm going to break up with my Whoopi. Not good enough. I see the bright lights in New York. I want to go there. My old pal, Kevin Durant. It's going to work. The big three. And all after one year, you want it out. You realized, oh, my gosh, I took this guy for granted, the guy that believed in me. I went back with Daryl Morey. They traded Ben Simmons for you. How did they pull that off? And you know what? You went there, and you got a partner who got the MVP. He won the MVP. And what did you say afterwards? You said, they didn't hand me the reins. You're the point guard. You were holding the reins. And what did you do when you had the reins? You scored nine points in game seven against Boston. You blew a 3-2 series lead. So they co- they fired their coach. Not good enough. You broke up with your guy believing you again. You said, the bright lights of L.A., that's where I want to go. Let's see if that works. Listen, James, have you ever had those friends who had bad roommates? Over and over, they complained about their bad roommates. This guy's terrible. The bad roommate here. They never thought to be self-aware enough that they're the bad roommate. They're the problem. Hey, James, you're the problem. If this doesn't work this year in this system with this team, then you're going to go and point fingers at everybody else, and you're going to go back home, and you're going to start swiping right for another team, and there's not going to be anybody left. All right. Because, James, you're not the beard. You're not the system. You're the problem. Enough. Go. You broke up with your whoopee. Yeah, I like that. That's a good line. That's a good. Line. I mean, the whole thing was pretty brilliant. It it really was. Yeah. Um, the guy who delivered that monologue is a sports talk radio guy in Dallas too. That's his primary job, Very I good. think. So, nice work. Um, well done. I think he captured a lot of people's accurate feelings about James Harden. Yep. Yep. Uh, Actually, had one more thing on the tournament. Uh, LeBron James, who Forbes estimates to be a billionaire, on why he's so motivated to win these games. They won last night. Feels great because it's an in-season tournament win, and we'll take that. We'll take that for sure. Y'all heard it's five hundred thousand on the line, so we're going for we're going for that. We're going for that. LeBron See, wants that five hundred. I, I I just find this entire thing really distasteful, and mm-hmm. I never begrudge athletes their money. They're the best in the world at what they do. They deserve to get paid what they get paid. I'm not one of these people like oh, the fireman makes this much and the right. teacher may how they make. they make what they make, but 
they make more than 99.99% of the population. And so we assume that they are playing their hardest every game for that money. To give them extra incentive to win games is distasteful. And the way, to me, I told you this, I think, a couple weeks ago. What they should have done is say, we're going to do this, and each team that wins either, it's all this money goes to their favorite charity or the fans. Right. That everybody who's a season ticket holder of the Sixers gets 100 bucks mm-hmm. or whatever the math turns out to be. That way, people would get interested. I could care less if the yeah. Sixers win this thing. No. I just don't want them to do it. Like, what do I care? No, it's, it's I don't need them to make more it's money. It's nakedly about getting the players to take the regular season more seriously. Yes, because, and those games, the, but right, not the other games, right. not the next game the Sixers play. Well, the NBA recognizes that it has a problem. It has a problem yeah. that the product isn't good isn't really good on a night to night. This to me is is a PR problem because it's it's offensive to me. I like LeBron James. I'm not a LaFraud whatever. I like mm-hmm. I think he's a you know one mm-hmm. of the two or three greatest players in the history of the league. I don't need to hear him say that he's getting more money. It just I find it all offensive. Well, and the other really weird thing is, so, like, the Pacers are about to come here for two games straight. They play on Sunday and Tuesday. Yeah. The first game is not a tournament game. The second game is. So, like, they're supposed to care more about the second game than the first? Yeah, yeah. well, if you're— Same trip? Right. If you're a ticket holder, make sure you get make the sure second you, game. For it's going to be game. a better game. Uh, right. Really quick, before we get out of here, I want to get your guys' take on Craig Council, like, resetting the managerial market, getting $8 Whoa. million dollars because the Cubs— basically bought him away from the Brewers, the Wisconsin native, leaving. Why? Is is Craig Council like Billy Martin? Is he Joe Torre? Like, I think he's a good manager. but Okay, great. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah, there yeah. were like four teams going after him. I don't understand it. Does this guy have the magic uh, formula to winning baseball? I think he was best available, and they way overpaid. It's like, you know, there's a free agent in baseball like, you know what, we need a right fielder. Let's give this guy three times what, what he's worth. Yeah. What I want to see is now does Rob Thompson say, hey, you know, I'm making whatever yeah. I'm making. I think I deserve more. Lame, lame duck, right? Absolutely. Last year of his contract. All right. We got to get out of here. I don't want those guys to be late because we want to get their full show. Dan Wilson, great job by you. Mike Sealski, no activity in the stupid football bet. What are you doing after the show, by the way? I am uh, heading to a birthday party in the afternoon and then uh, another party later on busy day sexiest man has places to be i am taking my grandson to the please touch museum oh it's gonna be awesome and i'm going to my son's pre-thanksgiving annual party so big day for all of us everybody have a great time out there stay tuned go birds radio with james and Elliot coming up next right here on 94 wip how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.